Welcome to Just Mash episode seven. seven. I'm Josh. I'm Matthew. I almost fucked, we almost, we fucked saved that it. up. We saved it. Yep. So today, well, I guess we'll have to have to do a little backstory for the Just Mash historians, or I guess not for the Just Mash historians. Last year, uh, in December, we did some we started something called the Just Mash Film Challenge for twenty twenty one, which essentially what it is is we sat down, we picked a hundred films. And the goal was to watch all 100 of those films within the calendar year of 2021 in order, in the order of 100 films that we picked. In order, yeah. Now, we failed on the in order part uh, because initially, well, Mandy messed up first with Hunt for the Wilder People. um, And then I messed up with Unbreakable. Is that what it's called? Uh, With With Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah, Unbreakable. And then we had to move some films around to see them in theaters because we had the opportunity to see a couple of them in theaters. And then at the end, it was like, fuck it, let's just finish. It was a blitz because we had so many films to do within the last week. we finished the 100th film at, like, I think 11.30 p.m. on New Year's Eve. So uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to go through the Film Challenge 2021 we're going to talk about each film. We're going to say what we thought we were going to rate it, what we did rate it, and then give our thoughts on each one. And then we will introduce the 2022 film challenge. And, you know, hopefully we don't mess it up so we won't. <laughs> horrible. We're, we're, the, we were talking about this off air, but the only like leeway we're going to give ourselves this time yeah. is a, if, if a movie that's on the list is doing a theatrical run. So then we can see it in theaters. Then we can see it in theaters, and we'll adjust. Yeah, but uh, other than that, like we we know what to expect this time. We've <laughs> learned some lessons, right? <laughs> We're gonna get better at it. Yeah, and uh, feel free to follow along. Yeah, we'll leave man. A list and all that good stuff in the description of everything. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay. So I have a spreadsheet um, with all 100 films. Um, our guesses, and then what we actually rated the films. Mm-hmm. Now, this list is in order of how it was originally written. Oh, okay. So, if you want to pull up yeah. your list on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. and then we can kind of compare For sure. just how fucked up we, we made the order. I think... So, how do you want... So, my question is, how do you want to... Up is my guess. Um, this is how we'll do it. Uh, let me find the list. 2021 Film Challenge. So we don't... It doesn't get messed up until... Um, for me, it's Grand Illusion, and for you, it was Wilder People. So 28. Okay. So we were good for the first 27 films. That's pretty good. Um, and then that got flip-flopped. And then we were good again until 39. And then we had to move Stand By Me because we got to see it in theaters. Same thing with Citizen Kane. And then... After that, it was just it was just chaos. It was like picking up a bunch of shit and throwing it in the air, and then just like picking a deck it up. Of cards, yeah, yeah, it was fucking nuts. Um, so what we'll do is we'll go in the order that we watched. Okay, and we'll just you know we'll see when it, it might starts take to... me a second to like scroll through and find it on the list. That's true. We'll kind of adjust. That's true. But it's gonna be like that either way. So true. Okay, the first film, Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood, which. We it was important to us when we you know conceptualized this idea to start off with a banger and pick a film that's important and supposed to be good and there's a few of those on this list and not all of them were good. This one though is incredible. 
what did you did we predict we were going to give it? Um, so you guessed you would rate it a four out of five. All these are are out of five, by the way. If you don't, if you're not familiar with yeah. how we rate things, it's out of five stars. It's it's point five one star, one point five two stars, two point five three stars, three point five four four point five five. Yeah, so, so five obviously the highest. five being the greatest film of all time, half star being the most dog shit film of all time. So, so um, you estimated that you would rate it a four. I estimated a five, and I gave um, it four point five. You gave it a four point five, and I went I went all the way to five on this one. Uh, it's right now tied as my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Uh, I would have to rewatch The Master to like actually give it. Mm-hmm. a fair shot but i loved it the entire way through it is a long film um it earns it though it I earns think. it and it's like the scope feels so massive mm-hmm. but whenever daniel day lewis is on the screen like either having a breakdown or giving one of his speeches he like draws you in closer mm-hmm. it's incredible like and it, it's a really fascinating story in a time period that's really it can be very interesting if it's given to the right person. And I think Paul Thomas Anderson's wonderful yeah. at like recreating things that were happening around that time and making them feel both connected to the modern world and like, you know, dated mm-hmm. in a way that how the characters act or, or speak or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like early 1900s. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah. But I think, well, at least with myself, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I always think of that time period as like the 1800s, like, way far away Mm -hmm. but it's this weird mix of modern times and america and laws and rules but also like outlaw fucking no rules you know if you kill somebody in the woods and there's no one around no one's gonna know you know like there's just plenty of that type of stuff but then also the greedy capitalism of it and the pursuit of happiness but in a warped way and with money involved and family and just the the downward spiral of plain view throughout the film along with the wonderful performances by Paul Dano and oh, he's incredible. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Incredible. One of the greatest films of all time. I could see myself going 5 on a on a rewatch right now though. I think I am confident with a 4.5. Yeah, I mean PTA's got a solid solid he's roster. So fucking good. Yeah, and I'm 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 very excited to uh He to comes talk up again other, later other films. on in the list. Um, okay, shall we move on to two? Yes, so two was Richard Linklater's Slacker. This one we weren't too thrilled with. Um, what did, so what did you, what did we think we were going to get? You were expecting to rate it a five. I was expecting to give it 4.5, so very, very high. Um, we've heard a lot of people talk about this movie as, like, inspiration, specifically Kevin Smith Mm -hmm. said that he watched this movie and said, I could do that. You know, you've heard, if you know anything about Kevin Smith, you've heard him, you know, Used that story quite a few, quite a few times. This is no exception, um, but we weren't, we weren't fans. What did we give? We gave it two point five stars each. I hated it, man. I really hated it, and it broke my heart because I, like I said, I thought I was gonna give it five. Um, I'm a big Linklater fan. That shows up again throughout the list. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, knowing the the impact that it had on him, knowing that it was on the Criterion Collection. I bought it several years ago. And just knowing the how influential it was for a lot of indie film and filmmakers at the time, I thought, oh, this is going to be a layup. But the best way that I can describe it is it feels like a YouTube vlog. That's kind of how the movie feels. Yeah. And not like a documentary or found footage necessarily, but the movie doesn't have a central character. It literally jumps conversation to conversation to conversation and kind of hands the baton to different characters every five or so minutes. 
and not like in an anthology way, just in like a if you were like a Google Earth driver driving around the city of San Antonio or wherever it is. Just listening to conversations. Just listening, this is what you'd get. Which is a neat ish idea. I think it's a better book than it is a film, but Or just a short film. Or just a short film. Ten or, minutes. You yeah. know I I just I don't know, man. I di- it didn't connect with me. Really severely disappointed me. Um, maybe one day I'll find it again and it'll speak to me in a different way. I just don't feel like watching it again. No, I I it was like a chore, man. Everything that I that I was gonna get from it. It was a chore to get through. It was like, you know, I I can't say that I enjoyed myself, Duke. Brother, this is my dog, Duke. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just wasn't wasn't for me. No, no. S- severely disappointed. Uh, okay. Next so. film. Terry Gilliam's 12 Monkeys. Uh, I kind of found this a chore, too. I really struggled to pay attention and, like... So what did what, what did we think we were going to give it? Um, okay, so you estimated to rate it a three stars. I okay. estimated to give it a four. What did we give it? You gave it a four. I gave it a 3.5. <laughs> so we've kind of flip-flopped. It's kind of flip-flopped a little bit. It's a pretty confusing movie. Very sci-fi, futuristic, kind of conceptually challenging um brad pitt's great in it bruce willis is, is good in it um i just took a shit on bruce willis there didn't i <laughs> a little bit yeah <laughs> too good i'm pretty sure brad pitt got an oscar nomination for this movie actually. i mean brad pitt's great in it and i yeah. love the first act it's just the second two-thirds of the movie just feel bloated or like like just not a pleasant watch and not a pleasant not unpleasant in like a this is a dark topic. Just boring. It's just, I was bored. Yeah. I, and I was, I don't know. It's just not what I expected from it. It's not yeah. my favorite Terry Gilliam film. It's one of those things where, like, I liked the time travel aspects of it. I think it was neat. And I did like the movie, obviously. I gave it four. I would say, in hindsight, I would drop it to 3.5, probably. Um, but the ending's really good. It is kind of confusing, but I think there's enough of a base level. Yeah, you know, that's if fair. you watch it, you can understand it. Which, you know, now saying that, I really don't remember it that much. I don't either. That's, that's the thing with some of these. It's a bit forgettable. Like, yeah. if I don't fucking love it or absolutely hate it, some of these are like, we'll see, it's, we'll see. Yeah, and that's just like, how that's just how it is. You know, you watch a yeah. hundred films along with a bunch of other ones throughout the year. Yeah, things are gonna kind of get lost in translation. I watched five hundred and like twenty something films in twenty twenty one. So to me, like some of them are just a fucking blur, man. Yeah, it's I mean, just... we're, we're gonna try our best. Yeah, we'll and see. if we don't remember all of them, you no. know, that's okay. Have some sympathy with us. So the fourth film on the list was Short Term Twelve, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who just did Shang Chi. Uh, so you predicted a four. I predicted a four as well. And we both yeah, went four point five. That movie's fucking awesome, man. It's about um, a bunch of kind of mid twenties people that work in this kind of hospital slash yeah, school place for troubled kids. Like a foster kids. house. Yeah, kind of like a foster home esque place for troubled kids. Um, and it's got Brie Larson and Rami Malek's in it for like five minutes, but for some reason he's like all over the marketing. Yeah. Um, like Keith Stanfield's in it. Yeah, like Keith Stanfield's fucking phenomenal in it. Uh, John Gallagher Jr. John Gallagher Jr. and Caitlin Deaver. Really great cast. And yeah. it's it's such a it's a quiet, close, intimate story, but it has a lot of really deep, meaningful story beats and the music's really good in it. The cinematography's really good in it. 
Um, yeah, one of my favorites, I think, from the list. And really a more sure. underrated, like, dark horse kind of contender for yeah. it. It's definitely one if you want to be just, like, connected to your humanity, if you have any shred yeah. of it left. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. clinging to the last bits of ours. But it's, it really kind of, it just, it breathes a life into that indie genre. Yes, um, for sure. I don't know what year it came out. Do you? 2012. 2012, say, yeah. yeah. So well, a lot of these people weren't that famous. No, not really, yeah. And I think on top of that, it's a great film if you're feeling numb mm. to have emotions awakened. Like, because the, it starts off kind of numb, and it's numb throughout, but as a lot of the story develops, then you kind of, you know, get more emotional with it, and you like the characters more and stuff. So, yeah, it's a really, really great film. Uh, Next film. Okay, yeah. Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. All right, so you estimated 3.5. Mm-hmm. I estimated a four, and we both went four. That four sounds stars. about right. Yeah. I really love the imagery in this. Um, Great visuals and cinematography. It's very easy to remember. Um, mm-hmm. You know, lots of the... It has an identity. Set design, definitely, definitely has a clear idea. And that's Guillermo del Toro's, like, really good at that. Yeah. And I, I'm not a massive fan of Shape of Water, but there's plenty of scenes that I remember mm-hmm. from that movie really well. And, you know, obviously it's, it's a very... It's very his film. Like, mm-hmm. there's lots of dark shit that happens in the film. Um, lots of death and despair mm-hmm. and sadness. And, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. The performances are good. Mm-hmm. It is in Spanish, though, right? Yeah, so it's... it's Because it's like... I don't remember if it was a Civil War or just, like, an Inquisition or something, but I want to say it's, like, 1920s, 30s, 40s mm. in, like, Spain or Portugal or something like that. I think it did have something to do with the Civil War. Yeah, so it's, like you know, about military and, you know, this little girl kind of gets caught up in the middle of it because she's family with the general or, you know, whatever. But it's it gets really fantastical and there's a lot of kind of fairy tale elements to it except through this dark horror lens. Um, but it's weird, like it was subtitled, and we've talked about this a few times with great, yeah. like, international films. I don't remember it subtitled no. or for like i remember it in english yeah even though it wasn't it's neat and that's how you know you made a good movie because i mean we we both watched short-term 12 and pan's labyrinth while we were at work working you know so like i think it says a lot about pan's labyrinth that it was able to both hold our attention and we could retain all of it especially with yeah. it being in a foreign language while we're also like doing our jobs and shit yeah i mean i really liked the movie i think it kind of got a special ending and i think it says a lot the only complaint that I would really have with it is that there wasn't a ton of time spent actually in the labyrinth, like doing. Yes, I agree. For doing sure, that, you know, type of stuff that you'd expect out of that movie, reading the description and what happens. There, there. I mean, it is there. It's just like you're waiting for something more to happen, and I would say like eighty five percent of the movie takes place outside yeah. of outside of the labyrinth or um, outside of that like mystical element. It's just kind of sprinkled in. You know, very, so. yeah, very scarcely, and I would agree, not enough. I thought more of the movie, at least, you know, 50% of it would have taken place in the labyrinth. Um, but, you know, for what we got outside of it, it, it was still interesting. Um, There's a lot of good, like, satisfying moments, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, next film we have Marty Scorsese's Raging Bull. Uh, so you guessed. Uh a five rating for this one. <laughs> I was guessing a four point five, and again, we both we both rated it four stars. A little so, disappointed. I a was. little. Uh, a I little. mean, clearly, I thought I was going to give it five. Um, you know, it's about Jake Lamotta, the boxer. 
you know, based off a true story, whatever, biopic, those usually suck. But it's Scorsese, it's De Niro, it's Joe Pesci. It's black and white. It's black and white. There's a lot of iconic scenes and imagery oh, in yeah. the film. I mean, the opening, like the shadow boxing, boxing yeah, slow like, motion, it's really sick. That was great. The fucking, you know, getting hit in the blood and then the oh, ending yeah. and I could have been a contender. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in it. Ultimately, Never though. Had the of a lost yeah. Ultimately, though, I don't know. I felt underwhelmed by it. Um, Another one I don't really remember that much outside of those few scenes that I feel like I've been either replicated or parodied before. Yeah. And just different stuff. And obviously, it's made an impact. It's an important movie. For sure. Um, yeah. Just not one that I would rewatch. Yeah. You know, it's not one that I really feel like earns its place as a special movie. It feels longer than it is, too. I think it's, it felt long. It's yeah. two hours. I want to say it's like right around 120 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. And doesn't, you know doesn't really pique my interest the entire way no it's weird though i remember we talked about it during because it traces jake lamana's life you know throughout it um and obviously he's a he was a boxer so his face got kind of fucked up but it's de niro when he's 20 30 playing a dude who's older and we see him in his like 50s 60s oh so they like put makeup on de niro to make him look old but it's funny because that's not what de niro ended up looking like so i don't know it's like a weird Kind it of is disconnect. strange. It's de- it definitely takes you out of the immersion a little bit, for and it's sure. not like they couldn't. That's obviously that's not not a fault, fault with the movie. Yeah. It's just a funny development. Yeah, it's just ironic more than anything, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay, so next film was one that was super long but didn't feel like it, and that is Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. Yeah. Um, so you guessed you'd rate it a four. I guessed I would give it a three point five, and we both gave it a four point five. This is, so far, this is the only 4.5 I've given that I could actually be like, yeah, no, that I could give that 5. Yeah. Um, I fucking loved this movie. The opening scene, you know, I was so just put put in a spell by it. Just why, like, I love the battle scene. I'm a big fan oh, dude, of, it's, like... It's brutal violence, team, but it's good. Team versus team, like, yeah. and then rallying the troops and then going into it. I think the battle scene's just shot awesomely. Um, I think it's a great story about Leo DiCaprio's character and his father, who's Liam Neeson, his enemy, who is Daniel Day-Lewis, who plays Bill the Butcher, in one of my favorite performances of Dude, all time. it's incredible. He's such it's a incredible actor. I love movies that feel like like they could be a play, mm-hmm. and this movie could be a play. Like, For sure, yeah. It, it, the a set design too. is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, it really takes you back to that time period. Mm-hmm. It makes it seem otherworldly almost like new york is just such a uh uh it's a place of fantasy almost like there are so many stories that take place that are either about new york in Mm -hmm. new york just about new york's themes like there's just so much that happens there and this is a side that you don't really see that frequently no especially because it's 1850s new york and it's about the gritty aspects of it and kind of the workers versus immigrants and like that sort of stuff there's a lot of neat issues and then a bittersweet ending, um, just because it kind of traces New York from there. But really great film. It's one that I would love to rewatch. Cameron Diaz is in it too. She's really oh, yeah. good. Um, so next was another Martin Scorsese film. So we tried to like when we were picking this list, we would like pick a movie and then another one would come to our mind to be like, oh, do that one. So some of them are kind of in groups. Like the past three have been Scorsese. Some of that worked against us, as you'll see. It did, uh, yeah. You know, a in a few in a few films down the line. Uh, so the next film was The King of Comedy by Martin Scorsese, Robert uh, De Niro, Jerry Lee Lewis. So you guessed you'd rate it a four. I guessed I would give it uh, a four as well. 
I actually thought I was going to give this a 4.5. I take that back. Mm. Um, so I rated this a three and a half, and you rated it a four. I think I probably treated it a bit harshly at the time. I, I may have been feeling the Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. weight. Um, I did like the story, though. It, it, it felt longer than it needed to be again. Um, Way longer. And like it's it's a fascinating like look at fame and mm-hmm. these parasocial relationships that people have, and you can see very clearly the influences that this movie has on Joker. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and because it is such a like half and half blend of Taxi Driver and 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 King of Comedy. Um, if you haven't seen that, 2019, 2019, right, Joker? Yeah. If you haven't seen that, go watch it. Um, I think it's better than this. Um, it I, is. In hindsight, it I is. wish I had rated King and Comedy 3.5. I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Um, I like the ending a lot, but ultimately I feel like, yes, you can see the like heavy influence that this yeah. film has on Joker, but I think Joker takes everything from this film that it uses and does it way better. So I like Joker a lot more. Yeah, I did as well. Um, this film was more frustrating to me like in such a, a unpleasant way mm-hmm. and like not in the way that I think it was intended to be frustrating more for me just like I don't want to watch it yeah <laughs> you'll see like, that happens a lot like I was you just, like oh I'm ready to fucking stop patience wears very thin when you get to the end of like you know if you group a bunch of films together that have similar themes actors or directors yeah. your your patience grows very bare bones yeah and we didn't do that with the 2020 to list intentionally no. because we were like we want it to be as r- random and diverse as possible you know from each film to each film absolutely uh okay our next one was uh, Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away oh man this was uh this was awesome uh you expected to give it a five I expected to give it a 4.5 but we both five starred this bad boy yeah it's incredible um an amazing look at just childhood and family and the yeah. food animation in Studio Ghibli movies is something that's just absolutely It's like watching level. the Food Network. Oh, my God. It no, makes you I, hungry. This film, to me, is... It's either this or it's Akira for the greatest film of, or animated film of all time. Um, I did five it. I thought I was going to five it. I'm so thrilled that I did. It's one that I hold very close to my heart. I was actually able to see it in theaters a few months ago. Um, I think it's just such a sweet story about the naivety of adolescence and failing upward um, and just being looked out for by the universe but also you, know, you can't be happy all the time and there's yeah. different adversities that are going to come your way at different points in your life and I think it's also a great examination of what's important when you're a kid versus what's important when you're an adult um, just such oh my god one of fucking and they really take they take the phrase every frame of painting very literally you oh, could yeah. pause any millisecond of that film, and it's going to look like it belongs in a museum. For sure, yeah, and that's it's that's immaculate. really the Studio Ghibli way. You know, every everything they do is all hand drawn artwork, and it looks phenomenal. It does. Um, you know, this film massive props just, to that team. You know, they they get a lot of praise, but not enough. Not enough, not man. Enough. They're the best animation studio. I mean, I think they're way better than. Disney or Pixar or DreamWorks or any of that. I, I think Ghibli really does reign supreme. Um, and there's just so much that could be said about Spirited Away, and I'm sure we'll do a more in-depth version of it one day. It'll show up on lists, you know, whether that's animated films of ours or you yeah. know, whatever the case may be. So we'll Absolutely. Uh, so the next film is American Beauty, directed by Sam Mendes. 
Um, so this is uh, another one that we both expected, or well, we both expected to rate it 4.5, and then we uh, we took it to 5. Yeah, we both 5 stars. It's a fascinating one. fucking movie. It's, it's, it's one of those that everyone says is like one of the greatest things ever made, and then it actually is. Yeah. Um, obviously, Kevin Spacey sucks. Yeah, like He's a great actor, but he's a piece of shit as a person, and you don't want to watch him in anything. But it's one of those films that's so important and iconic that it's like skipping it you know, is really, I I could understand why anyone would. Yeah. Because if you just can't stomach to look at him and the whole time he's on screen, that's kind of what I'm thinking is like, this dude's a fucking scumbag. But man, that fucking movie's good. It's it's so well written and like seeing the destruction of this family in slow motion is wild. And one of my favorite scenes is when Kevin Spacey's character just, he he blows up, he quits his very well-paying job. Obviously his his start of his decline is really what kind of dominoes the rest of the family as well, even though they don't deal with their own separate problems. But he just starts working at some fast food joint. I don't know if it's Burger King or some made-up franchise. But he's working at the drive-thru, and his wife, who's cheating on him, shows up to the window with uh, with her lover. And it's like they have this great interaction with each other. It's and that's so one good. of the fucking... Oh, my God. It's, it's hilarious and sad and disturbing all at the same time. Well, and the film does a really unique thing in that you can't see it, but my dog's going crazy on the floor. Um, the film does a really unique thing where it tells you at the jump, first line on the film, that Kevin Spacey is your narrator and he's going to die by the end of the movie. So the whole time, it's kind of like a a game of like clue of, okay, who's going to kill Kevin Spacey? How does he die? Does he kill himself? Is it an accident? Is he murdered? Like what? What is it? And the film does great job at misdirecting you throughout. And building tension. Building tension. And then the actual ending itself is just phenomenal. There's a great subplot with his daughter and her boyfriend and Chris Cooper, who's phenomenal, and Annette Bening, who plays the wife. Just, oh, such such a good fucking movie, man. Like, it sucks that Kevin Spacey's in it. I know. He just kind of taints everything that... He really fucking does, man. We'll get to that later on. Yeah, we will. There's more there. Um, Okay, so the next film was The Perks of Being a Wallflower, directed by Stephen Chbosky. I don't know how to say his name. Apologies for if we... Sorry, Steve. Mess up any names. Whoops. Uh, So you expected to rate this 3.5. I expected to give it a 4. We both rate it 4.5. I thought it was going to be like a melodramatic teenage girl flick that thought it was deep but was actually not but it actually ended up being a really sweet and deep emotional film about adolescence but also like some really actually heavy life stuff yeah um great performances uh logan lerman emma watson ezra miller um johnny simmons is in it fucking it's a really great movie paul rudd's in it he he gives a really good line oh absolutely yeah we accept the love we think we deserve like that's great um, the concept of what the wallflowers are is, is really cool. The Heroes by David Bowie. It's just, I think it's a wonderful movie, and it's just really well written and directed. It Like, it knows what it wants to say, and it does it very well. Yeah, and it's it's a joy to watch the characters interact, too. They feel mm-hmm. like real people, and people you'd want to be friends with. Or, For sure. You know, just experiences you might have had in, in those time periods, too. Like, just stuff that we... You can find something to take away out of this movie, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yep. So the next film we watched was Snowpiercer, directed by Bong Joon-ho. 
What did what did we think? So we you thought you were going to give it a three and a half. I expected to give it a four point five. Uh, we both rated it three stars at the end of the day. I thought it was stupid, man. It's one of those things where like I feel like the the base concept is neat, and then also the criticism of capitalism and all that stuff I think is done okay. It's just so heavy-handed, though, sometimes that it punches you across the face, and yeah. it's also stupid. Like, not the criticisms of capitalism, but, like, the physics of the train and then how the system works and then things that happen to characters. Some very weird continuity issues and yeah, things just... that felt like plot holes. Um, I, I, like, I loved the first 30-ish minutes. Like, mm. Chris Evans in it is phenomenal. Chris Evans is awesome. The fight movie. scenes are just some of the coolest shit ever mm-hmm. like like the fight scenes on the train and these tight environments like it kind of felt like daredevil there's some brutal violence in there too mm-hmm. um but after that it just kind of lost me yeah no i mean i think ed harris is good in it and ed chris harris evans, is good yeah chris evans has a great monologue towards the end um and there's some cool visuals and stuff and the fight scenes are cool but ultimately though yeah i don't think it's the only really worthwhile thing that comes from this movie is the fan theory that it's a sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Which is fascinating. And I'm I'm a subscriber to it. I th- to me, that's headcanon. That's that's what it is. Look it up if you haven't heard it's of it. It's fascinating. Yeah, really fucking great. Uh, so the next film after that, once again, Bong Joon-ho, it was The Host. This film was awesome. It was really good, yeah. Um, it's another uh, fascinating look at like class structure and pollution and just it's a very dirty movie like it just it looks gross what did we think we were gonna um let's see three and a half each and we both gave it four stars yeah it's like it's a horror film um but it's one that it's not necessarily about the scares as much as it is about the message and it's a lot more fun and has a lot more comedy to it than most horror films yeah um you know bong joon ho obviously when we had made this list, had just won the Oscar for Parasite, um, or I guess a bit after that, had won the Oscar for Parasite. Um, but we were like, okay, well, let's just throw a couple of his stuff on here. And I love The Host. I think it's such a great film. Um, it's Again, it's one that obviously has subtitles, but I don't remember it with subtitles. No, I don't know? either. And I think that the cast was really great, and the family dynamic was really good. The opening scene is awesome. Um, and also just the kind of examination of what would happen to society if there was this kind of monster that was attacking people from the water. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Definitely. Um, okay, so after that was Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox. What did we think we were going to get? Uh, you expected to give it a five-star. I did. I expected to give it a four, and then we both went 4.5. Yeah, um, I think it deserves a 4.5. Um, the animation's obviously awesome. I love that stop motion style. Um, it's not my favorite of that style, but it is really good. It's short, like it's a quick and easy story. I guess it's a Roald doll book, um, but George Clooney's great in it. Bill Murray's great in it. Like obviously, it's a Wes Anderson film, so it's got a massive cast, and they're all on their A game. The it's cinematography's wild. incredible. The colors are incredible. It's just a fun story. At the end of the day. A heist movie. And it's yeah. a heist movie, which is always cool, too, you know, as long as it's done well. And I think this film does it really well. Um, I like the way that they get around cussing, you know, by saying they go with the cuss. Yeah. That's funny. To that me. is funny, and it's clever. And it's like, it's it doesn't make me roll my eyes. Like, no. I chuckle at it because it's, yeah. you know, you expect something different. It's just done so straight-faced, but, yeah. like, with 
knowledge of how ironic it is. Yeah. And like that's like, cause it, is it, is it Adventure Time that does a similar thing? They do, yeah. Yeah, like that show yeah. does it in a funny way too. You know, so I'm, that show I love so much creativity. I would love to watch every episode. I've seen some of them, like enough yeah. to know the gimmick. We did just Mash Adventure Time. Oh yeah, absolutely. It mastered time. Ad, adventure, adventure, just adventure, mash just time. Adventure, yeah, something like that. Just Adventure Time Mash, something. I don't know. Next film, Old Boy, directed by Park Chan Wook. Uh, let's see here. I think. So you expected to give it a 4.5. Mm-hmm. I expected to give it a 4.5, and we both gave it a 5. One of the greatest films ever made, man. Um, it's insane. insane. Oh, my God. The so, entire and, film from start to finish is batshit crazy. I knew the twist at the end, and he didn't. And he was watching it at work after I did, so I got to watch him watch the twist, which was fucking nuts. Um, Disturbing. Super Disturbing crazy, man. Like... Throws you for a fucking loop. You cannot predict it. You don't see it coming. Um, but the action in this movie is awesome. There's some violent, like stomach churning torture scenes that are that are pretty nuts. Um, but ultimately, it's just a really fascinating concept, and it's one that it's an action movie and a revenge film, but it's well written. Yeah, it's deep. It has a message, and it's executed perfectly. And if you don't, if you've not seen this movie and you don't know the twist, keep in mind the word revenge as you're watching this, mm-hmm. and just let yourself be free of expectation, and just just watch as it beautifully unfolds this plot that like gives you just enough to keep you on the edge every single second. And like when they actually do give you enough information for you to figure out what What's what the happened. fuck has happened, oh. it is it's a masterclass. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's film. not. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy on the mind. And conversely, all. the next film we watched was oh. Spike Lee's remake of Old Boy, and that's one of the worst films I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, let's. I think we both did. We both expect to give this five. Okay. So you expected to give this two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expected to give it one, and then we half started that. We bitch. half started the motherfucker. We half started. It's just to me, it's the epitome of the kind of bigoted American mindset of, oh, that was a neat thing they did in a different country. I can do it better. Yeah. And then, so, and, like, I like Spike Lee. I think he's got some great films. He's got some great films on this list. Um, But every change that is made, and there's a lot of them, is strictly worse, objectively worse. Um, The acting's fine. You know, Josh Brolin, Elizabeth Olsen, Michael Imperioli, like, they're fine. You know what I mean? the, The issue doesn't fall on them. It falls on the script for being poorly written, and it falls on the movie just being weird. Like, there's a lot of cultural stuff that I understand that you can't translate well from a lot of Asian countries to America that I understand that you would have to change. But ultimately, the twist doesn't have the same emotional weight. It feels weird and strange, and the way they reveal it is a lot worse. Um, Everything about the movie just The ending is worse. The ending is so much worse. Um... Oof, boy. It's one of the things where, like, the original has one of the greatest endings of all time, and then they change it, and the ending that the remake has is one of the worst endings of all time. It's it's, it's just mind-blowingly bad, and I just I hate that idea that, like, oh, this great thing exists. Let me redo it. You know, like, just watch the original. Just have people yeah. watch the original. And it just happens over and over again. Yeah, it just happened with Cowboy Bebop. Over and over again. Just watch the original. If you love it so much encourage people to just watch the original. Why do you think you can do better? 
Why do you think it's a story that you need to tell? You know what I mean? Like, just watch the original. Let it be. I know. Let it be. Uh, Okay, so next film was Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Uh, Okay, so I was excited for this. I expected... I expected to give this a uh, a 4.5. We both did, in fact. And we ended up going three stars. I was so disappointed. Massively. I um, was bored. Um, there, yeah, I, I want to say it was confusing, think. but I think because I was bored, it was so much harder for me to follow. I mean, it is a confusing movie, I think, just yeah. as a base level. I think if you're, if you're invested, I'm sure it's a lot easier to decipher. But I didn't feel like the flow made any sense mm-hmm. like the editing seemed kind of weird in my head now that i'm remembering it i was i was very excited for this yeah. um hitchcock i think ha- just has his finger on the pulse of horror mm-hmm. and i don't know if his hand slipped on this one i don't know but it just didn't didn't do anything for me well and it's one of those few that like we don't like but most people do yeah. so i'm sure there is you know some sort of cinematic merit to it Love the poster. I think the poster's, poster's dope. Poster's great. I mean, it's iconic. You can see uh, in the background. The idea is great. The rooftop stuff was cool. And that, like that scene where it's in color briefly when he's like yeah. spiral. Like that was awesome. Like that's a to me that is a perfect example of a five star scene and not a good movie. Yeah. Like I I think that scene's incredible. And like I love Hitchcock. I think Thirty Nine Steps is an incredible movie. Psycho is a five star film. Um, there's Two more we're about to do. Um, this one, I just yeah, one of my more disappointing ones yeah. on the list. Maybe one day I'll, I'll Definitely. give it a shot again. I, I said I was going to give a 4.5, but in my heart I wanted to 5 it. Same, yeah. You know, it's, it didn't happen. No. It didn't happen. Uh, so the next film we have is Alfred Hitchcock's original, The Man Who Knew Too Much, from 1934. Uh, so you expected to give this a 4. We both did. We both expected 4. We actually got a 3. Yeah, this one just, I don't know, it felt kind of boring um, and just not super engaging for the, the spy story that it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, kind of lame. And very slow. Very like, slow. And just not what you want out of that kind of movie. No. Um, but Alfred, Hitch- Alfred Hitchcock agreed with us, and he remade the film in 1956, 20 years later, and that was our next one, was The Man Who Knew Too Much, and also directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Interestingly enough, we both expected to give this three and a half, and we gave it four. I actually really liked it. Yeah. I, I, I think this film did everything the first film did wrong and made it better. Um, it made it engaging and gave it tension, and I think the performances were better. Um I love the way that the song is incorporated into it. The ending is great. The scene in the church is awesome, which is in both where they're like communicating through the songs. Yeah. Um, way better. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's the editing is different. Like it just it has a better flow. Um, yeah, definitely an improvement. And it's crazy that he remade his own movie. I know. What, Wild. Hey, that'll be us one day. I hope so. <laughs> Remake it. I hope so. Movie. Uh, so after that, we did The Man Who Knew Too Little, directed by John Emile, uh, which is obviously a parody of the Hitchcock films, but with Bill Murray. So um, what did you think you were going to give it? Was, I was confident I'd give it a two and a half. Uh, I, we both gave it three. You thought you were going to give it a three. So, you know, pretty close. It's um, like a, a it's stupid, fine. fun comedy. It's fun. Bill Murray's really what makes that movie 
Yeah, I mean, without it's Bill a, Murray, I wouldn't have nearly as much interest. It's a different take on the genre. It's spy stuff, but it's essentially this dude who fails upwards into it and doesn't realize what he's getting himself involved in. Um, but it's you know, with any anyone else, it wouldn't work. But no. with Bill Murray, it, you know, it makes it work. He's just a walking charisma machine. Yeah, but it's just one of those things that, like, I don't, I don't think I'd ever need to watch it again. No, I'm good. I'm uh, good. So after that, interestingly enough, we did T2, Train Spotting 2, directed by Danny Boyle. Um, Matthew had seen Train Spotting, the original. I had not. So we put this on the list on the condition that I would watch the first one first. And I did, and I loved it. It's awesome. So what were we going to give T2? Uh, so you expected to give it a three. I expected to give it a four. And we both went four stars. Yeah, I think it's a really fun return to form. I think it's a great revisitation of those characters, yeah. you know, 20 years later, however long it is. Um, it's like nothing incredible or special, but the ending is really good. And I think it's it's it a realistic. It's place to exist, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it definitely has a reason to be there. And I think sometimes with movies... You know, you have these characters that, for whatever reason, are putting a situation together, and you can tell that they have no merit to actually be friends. Yeah. Or after a certain point, there's just no way they would last. Right. And this film does a great job of avoiding the trope of bringing them back together and making making it work. This film, they are not friends again. You know what I mean? They still have issues, and they are not happy. They are not friends. They would not get along. Yeah. So it's like a natural progression of like, yeah, no, there's no circumstance where these people would be cool with each other like that. Um, and, you know, Ewan McGregor's great, obviously. Oh, he's awesome. Danny Boyle's awesome. Give really him everything. Good. Give him every role. He should play Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, that's genius. I know. That's genius. Someone should call George Lucas and let him write it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's let him write <laughs> let's it. Let's let yeah. him write it. That'll everything. turn out great. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, okay. George. So the next film was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, directed by Milos Forman. Uh, so you expected to give this a five. I expected to give it a four, and we both went 4.5. Great movie. Um, great examination. It's of, fascinating. You know, Jack Nicholson's character being a criminal who decides to plea is mentally insane to get an easier sentence in a psychiatric hospital and then when he gets there, he realizes that it ain't going to be easy because no. of Nurse Ratchet, who is kind of drunk on power and very abusive. Uh, and it's, a, it's like, it's so sad because that's very accurate in a lot of those settings where these, and I think in healthcare and just roles like that, you have a lot of very narcissistic people mm-hmm. that have this God complex yeah, and for this, sure. this knowledge that they can control other people. Very, Especially very because easily. they think they're helping. Especially that. Yeah. So it gives them that idea that they right. know what's better. Or and it's even like this weird moral licensing where they they can do shitty things mm-hmm. and then come to work and do good, so to speak. And mm-hmm. it kind of balances out the bad shit that they do in other aspects of their life. For we sure, we yeah. all do that. Like it's a very subconscious thing and it's super fascinating that mm-hmm. like that's how a lot of our brains work. But that movie, like, whether or not they realized it when they were writing it, that's what that's what is happening. Yeah. And it's so it's an adaptation of a book, and in the book, I'm trying to the big dude, whatever his name was, I can't think of his name. It's, He's yeah. the main character. I've got it in front of me. I could just fucking look. There you go. Letterbox. Such an sponsor idiot. us. Yeah, Letterbox. If you're paying attention, we like New Zealand. Yeah, We'd love to I, go. Would, I would move to New Zealand. Yeah, uh, Danny DeVito's in it. Christopher Lloyd's in it. I forgot about both oh, of those Christopher things. Lloyd, man, he's awesome. He's so fucking good. Um, God damn, what's his character's name? The big dude. Why can't I find it? 
Whatever, I mean, man. Yeah, I, I wish I could fucking pull it out of my brain. It's. I feel like it's kind of like a racist name, too, or something like that. Because isn't he Native American? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I, I probably shouldn't even say it anyway. Um, if you're interested, you can look it up. But it, the point is, in the book, he's the main character, and it tells the story of Jack Nicholson's character through his eyes. In the film, it, that's not how it is. Jack Nicholson's the main character, and then we see that dude, you know, kind of throughout. But the ending is like jaw-dropping, jaw heartbreaking. It's really, really great stuff. Yeah. It's one that everyone needs to see. Absolutely watch it whenever um, you can. And, interestingly enough, that film kickstarts the Jack Nicholson portion of our list. <laughs> the very long Jack Nicholson portion. <laughs> so the next film after that, directed by James L. Brooks, was As Good As It Gets. Uh, we both expected to give it a three and a half, and we rated it four. I liked this movie, man. I think, you know, it's about Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson. Yeah. This kind of cares matic magnetic asshole that's mean to everybody you know and it works it's also very neurotic too oh, like yeah. he's he's got all these different weird little tics mm-hmm. and walks it, like a very specific way yeah greg kinnear is really good in it who's the chick in it let's see um helen hunt she's great in it. oh yeah cuba gooding jr is in it skeet Ulrich is in it and what year was this uh i want to say 2002 maybe 97 okay. oh wow yeah because it, I don't know if it won Best Picture or if Nicholson won Best Actor for it, or maybe both. I'm not sure. Um, Either way, but that was part of the reason why we put it on the list, just because it's renowned as one of his better roles. And everyone loves the the story of the Grinch, the mean old dude that grows yeah. a heart by the end of it, and you know becomes nice. It's a great script. Yeah, for sure. It's a great man. script. It's just it's a heartwarming kind of movie, and it's a fun, comfy watch too. So. After that, though, we went Roman Polanski's Chinatown, which kind of a similar thing to American Beauty. It has that air of don't want to watch it because Roman Polanski directed it, but it's also considered to be one of the greatest films of all time, and it's got a really important place in cinema history. So, like, I think there is room to watch it, acknowledge that Polanski's a scumbag, while also saying how good the movie is. Yeah, for sure. Because it's a great fucking movie. It is. What did we think? Uh, so we, we actually nailed it across the board here. We both thought we were going to give it 4.5, and we both gave it 4.5. Yeah, I can see myself going 5 on this one one day. Probably, yeah. I mean, the ending is incredible. Top 10 movie endings of all time. The whole film sets up what Chinatown is philosophically and then pays it off in such a beautiful way by the end of it. Um, the story of you know Jack Nicholson being this detective that's trying to figure this stuff out, and then the way that he does figure it out throughout the more progressively fucked up he gets yeah throughout um it's a slow burn it takes a second but once it gets where it goes you know you you can't stop looking at it it's that fucking good yeah and then the sequel the two jakes directed by jack Jack nicholson Nicholson. himself yeah uh that was our next one and that one kind of sucked so we thought we were gonna give it okay you thought we were gonna give it 3.5 I thought I was going to give it three, and then we both went two stars. I could drop it further from yeah. that. Uh, I was it's a brutal so watch. fucking bored. I'm talking like unbearable tooth-pulling, like toothpicks in the fingernails. And it's crazy because not even Jack Nicholson could save that. Like, no. I just did not care. I think he's part of the problem. Yeah. It just it analyzes this weird thing about L.A. and their, what is it, like their subway, or not subway, like, train system and the roads and also like earthquakes um and then the two jakes 
as a concept was just weird. I just, and it tries to kind of wrap up some stuff from the first film, but just in a very underwhelming didn't way. really need to touch it either. No, it, there's no reason for that movie to exist. It's just a chore to get through, and it sucks balls, honestly. Speaking of, the next film, directed by Alexander Payne, is about Schmidt. Uh, so you thought you were going to give this three and a half. Uh, I thought I was going to give it three and a half, and we both went three stars. So not not as bad as the two Jakes. I could drop it, though, I think. I think I could go 2.5. Yeah, I just... Which is, you know, it's semantics, but... It's. I thought it was going to be this great story about kind of an old. I like. I love coming of age stories, but I especially love coming of age stories at unconventional points of your life mm. because you can be at any age when you're coming of age. It's supposed to be about Jack Nicholson, this dude who's you know he's been married for however many years, and his wife just up and dies, and about his life after that. It wasn't as emotional as I wanted it to be, or funny as I wanted it to be, or I don't know. It just felt very boring, and lame definitely lame like the dialogue is just just doesn't draw you in at no, all no it's just i don't know i wanted more from it didn't get what i wanted we kind of fizzled out on the uh the jack nicholson we yeah we went from really fucking good yeah. to really good to really fucking good to like pretty dog shit to like oh and that was the end of our Nicholson. I remember ride. being exhausted at the end of the fucking yeah. About Schmidt movie. I was so done. I took a break from that so one in our next film, which was Come and See, directed by Elam Kilmov, maybe. He's a Russian dude. Um, one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, we expected to give it five, and we did. Yeah, I mean, this, this film insane. had a massive reputation behind it. Um, it had just come out on the Criterion Collection that year. It shot to the top of Letterboxd. Um, everyone was talking about how it's the greatest film of all time, the greatest war film of all time, and it really is. It's so disgustingly brutal and honest, and it's th- the most unique war film I've ever seen because there's no good guys in war. If you are in war, unless you're literally just being you know, invaded, there's yeah. always some sort of bad guy aspect to whatever side you're on and this film doesn't try and sensationalize it like i think a lot of other war films do or make they're a hero or anything like that it's just dirty and gross and sad and scary and no one knows suffering like the russians and that comes through here like it's 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 so dark yeah and if you're not a pacifist after watching this movie oh yeah bro conscientious objector man yeah like please please stop just don't do it. Yeah, man. I and couldn't handle that. It's so realistic, and the ending, I think, is just super important. Um, the film was originally called Kill Hitler, and then they changed it to Come and See, which is a reference to the Book of Revelation when they're talking about the apocalypse, and Come and See is literally a term that means you're invited to hell, come and see the worst parts of it. So this film being called Come and See is like showing you the apocalypse. Look at the worst parts of humanity and the yeah. worst parts of war. This is what we're willing to do to each other. It's so, oh my God, but what a phenomenal fucking movie, man. Like, There's so much insane imagery and it's like yeah. the themes of it. There's so much, like you could write thousands of words, mm-hmm. thousands of words on this. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Please come and see and watch this. And then, so the next film on our list uh, is directed by Jean Renoir, which is Grand Illusion. And you expected to give this a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went four and a half. 
I expected to give it a four, and I went all the way to five. I so, think this is the opposite spectrum of war films. It is. It's about the sincerity of humanity and how even though when we're at our worst and our most opposing, deep down, at most of us at least, there's always a part of you that wants to reconcile and recognize someone else as a human. Yeah. Um, this was where we first diverted on the list because... I watched uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Which comes on later in the list. Yeah. And I remember I was like, oh, did you watch it? Yeah, I watched Hunt for the Wilder People. I was like, no! No! Slow motion, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, you just forgot that it was on our list. Yep. So we swapped them, mm-hmm. and instead of watching uh, the Grand Grand Illusion here, I just, you know, obviously rotated them on the, on the position. Yeah, and I, I stayed to where they were supposed to be. Um, but yeah, Grand Illusion is just a really sweet movie about World War One and the kind of politics of it and how a lot of time the people that suffer in war aren't even the ones making decisions. Oh, never, yeah. You know, they're just kind of the victims of circumstance and just because you're on the opposing side doesn't mean that you're opposing as people. Um, and that was honestly like the last war that I think people had that mindset. Yeah, I mean, like people talk all the time about the first year of the war that Christmas, there was a ceasefire with a lot of the German and British battalions that mm. were fighting each other across no man's land. They stopped fighting, and then they played soccer, they had food for a while, and then I don't know how you could go back to killing each other after that, but I guess no, they yeah. did. <laughs> so yeah. then I read recently that the next year, the 1915 Christmas, the Germans stepped out of their, their like trenches or whatever mm. to try, you know, because of the previous year they stopped fighting for Christmas and they were immediately gunned down by British soldiers. Oh, immediately. God. So it's like, come, it's just fucking brutal. It's oh, brutal. God. Stop, stop killing each stop other. Stop fighting people. Please. And that was really like, God damn. That war was just so fucked up because yeah. we were running, just plain clothes at each other, firing machine guns that were never used before in any other war. Like yeah. it was brutal, brutal mess. But that film's about prisoners of war, and yeah. you know the ending of it is phenomenal. In hindsight, I should have given it five. Whenever I rewatch it, I will give it five. Definitely, um, definitely rewatch that. Just such a such a great film. Uh, so this was our Criterion portion of the list. So we did come and see Grand Illusion. Next on that list was The Seventh Seal, directed by Ingmar Bergman. Uh, disappointing. We both rated it, or we both expected to give it five stars, and we went three. We might get yeah. lambasted from the oh, we're gonna film bros. Shit on. So I'm sorry. Hard I just this. don't think it's that interesting. No, I was so I thought the the whole plot of the film was a dude plays chess with death for his life. I thought that's what it was. Um, it wasn't. It was that some was, of it's in there. Some of sure. it, sure, but not you know the the parts that you wanted it to be. Um, some like annoying stuff with kids in it and like. Some weird dancing. I, it just feels like a fever dream, mm-hmm. and I didn't really get it. Like, no, yeah, I think I didn't get it. There was some fascinating stuff about death and the imagery of dancing with death towards the end of the film was was really neat. Um, but I don't know, man. Ultimately, just boring. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like it, it could have been something incredible. I thought it was gonna be something incredible. Ultimately, though, it was just disappointing. Might just be a better essay or short story or something. For sure, a short film I think would be neat. Uh, So next on that list was This is Spinal Tap, directed by Rob Reiner. This was great. Uh, I expected to give it a 4. You expected it a 4.5. 
and we both rate it 4.5, although I think we could both easily five-star this. I'll give it five the next time I watch it. Is it is fucking awesome. It is just <laughs> so much fun. Genuinely one of, if not the funniest movie ever made. It is such a great satire of rock and roll and what life Start is up like. and just like being a diva. Yeah, and just being so up in your own ass, and then drugs, and just how Prima douchey Donna. a lot of oh artists God. can be. It's so funny, um, like the bit with the crackers and like the the sandwich crackers. Yeah, like it's oh my God, I was rolling. And the I was rolling. Mini. Yeah, what, oh, it's just it's so. Fucking Please watch good. it. It's a short film. Rob Reiner's fucking awesome. Like he puts he puts his heart into these movies. Eighty two minutes. Yeah, he plays the straight man, the director that is in with the audience on how yeah. weird these people are. But I, like, I would rewatch it in the next week. I, I want to say it was Ozzy Osbourne watched it like with a, with his family. And he was the only one that didn't laugh because he thought it was a real documentary. <laughs> yeah. Cause he was like, Oh no, yeah. this is how everyone is. This is real. Yeah. You know, that's this that's is, great. This is what people are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great fucking movie, man. Uh, so after that, to continue the criterion, we did Terry Gilliam's time bandits. Uh, this I one was hard to watch. <laughs> Yeah, it's just weird. He's a weird guy. He's and weird. like, uh, I'll get to it in a second. So you expected to give it a 4. I expected to give it a 3.5. We both went 3.5. Mm. I might drop it if I watched it again to 3. It's just, oh, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't grab me. Sean Connery's in it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really neat sort of childhood adventure time travel story with like the seven dwarfs and like it's really, I think it's a really neat, great sci-fi type thing. I just think in execution, it's a bit, a bit long. Um, doesn't necessarily set out to accomplish everything it wants, and it gets a bit confusing at the end with with Sean Connery. But ultimately, I did enjoy it. I think there's a lot of great imagery, and you know the effects were really cool and stuff. But it's a it's a neat adventure. Yeah, I'm I'm firm at three point five. You know. I could see myself if I were a kid watching it and really enjoying it. Oh yeah, for sure. Like like if my dad had thrown that on, I don't even know if he's seen it, but I feel like that's his kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But if he had thrown it on as I was a kid, yeah, maybe maybe I'd feel a bit differently. So the next film, another criterion, also another Terry Gilliam film, the third one on the list, was Brazil. Um, you expected to give this four, I expected four point five, and we both gave it three and a half. Yeah, it's one of the most confusing movies of all time, I think. And it's long. And it's long. It's brutally, brutally Brutally long. long And just confusing. I just didn't get it. I had trouble paying attention. De Niro's in it. Yeah. He's, you know, he's okay. Oh, I forget. Yeah, he's like that weirded, like, criminal. Yeah, Like, cat burglar or something. There's a lot of stuff about, like, the monotony of bureaucracy and just, like, living your life. It's dystopic. I guess. It feels dystopic watching it. It yeah. feels like 1984 watching it. I just it. did not really understand what was going on most of the time. It was hard just, to follow. Uh, the writing was all over the place. Yeah, and the ending just once again was confusing. Yeah. So I don't really remember too much after that. Like I just I finished it. I couldn't tell you what it. the movie's about, I don't think. I mean, the, the only thing I remember from it is this, like, like working in this monotonous you know meaningless job mm-hmm. and your life is being wasted but there's all this conspiracy that's happening kind of behind the scenes very very strange movie yeah fucking For, i like sure fear and loathing is his best movie by far which like, i haven't seen it's, well, do you, it's a wild ride do you think that's better than monty python oh, the holy girl um because that's terry gilliam too yeah i i like i like monty python more and, mm-hmm. and uh yeah that movie i like more um Technically speaking, though, I think 
our camera just died, well, unfortunately. Pause. Okay, welcome to Just Mass. Just kidding. The camera died previously. We're back in it. Two days previous. Uh, full day later. <clears throat> Do you yeah. remember what film we were talking about? Um, I don't. let me scroll. I think we got to... It was something about Terry Gilliam, I remember Did that. we get through Brazil? Yeah, I think we were talking about Brazil. Brazil, okay. Yeah, okay, so pull up the spreadsheet. I'll pull up the letter. Yeah, I got list. the spreadsheet out right here. Dope. Uh, <clears throat> okay, yeah. So, Brazil. Meh. Meh. Uh, next film, Rushmore by Wes Anderson. This one was uh, pretty good. You expected to give it a 4.5. I expected to give it a 4, and we both gave it 4s. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed, I think, just because I love so many of his films like so dearly, and this one was just good. It felt kind of tame. A little bit, yeah. Kinda I didn't tame. feel as Wes Anderson as a lot of his other stuff, at least visually. I mean, obviously the symmetricality and stuff was there, but like color, it wasn't as colorful as his other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it did use the same... Type of music. Daisy, babe. She's curious. Oh, what are you doing? She won't step on it. So yeah, I don't know, man. It wasn't it wasn't what I wanted it to be, but it's you know, by no means bad or anything like that. Yeah. Uh so after that was The Harder They Come, which (laughs) sorry. Which is a midnight movie. It's a criterion movie. Uh I liked it. What, so what did we... What uh, you expected to give it a three and a half. I expected a three, and we both gave it three and a half stars. Yeah, man. It's like a, a neat little story. I mean, it's very indie, and you know, it has that spirit of mm-hmm. kind of people going out and guerrilla filming and you know, doing, doing it. And I think it had a great message, and the music's obviously great. It's Jimmy Cliff, I think is his name, and you know, The Harder They Come is a great song, and... You can get it if you really want it. It's a great song. So yeah. I, I really like this movie. Yeah, it's it's definitely got a good atmosphere. I like the setting a lot. Yep. Seek it out. Seek yeah. it out. Uh, next film, Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee. Uh, we both expected, uh, I expected to give this a four. You expected a four and a half, and we both went, uh, went four and a half on it. This is one I think one day I could go five on. Um, I think the message is really great. I think there's a lot of really fascinating portrayals of social issues in this and they're very um it doesn't feel biased or like it's pointing fingers either mm-hmm. it feels very balanced and like i think spike lee sometimes is really bad at that and then sometimes is really good at that like with black klansman it's saying we should all just do better yeah you know and this is this is kind of how um i think the characters were were really engaging and well written and their dynamics were really fascinating and i think the kind of backdrop of the heat wave, you know, really yeah. making you everything really feel heightened. Hot, like, yeah. Like just seeing everybody sweating and And it just makes sense why everybody would be so ready to attack each yeah, other. Yeah, because the heat really it can really piss you off. Just really a, make you grumpy and there's a whole episode of Hey Arnold based off of this movie where it's like Really? Yeah, it's like that's there's odd. a heat wave and there's a lot that's of the same odd. scenes. Yeah. It's actually like really a really, really great like homage to the film. Yeah, and then the the love hate, like the knuckle, yeah, the knuckle yeah. jewelry. That's those are uh, super iconic. Was it, was it Radio Raheem? Yeah, uh, Radio Raheem. Yeah, yeah, yeah super brutal Samuel death Jackson. scene. That's, yeah, that's the truth, Ruth. Yeah, ain't that right, Daisy? Giancarlo Esposito, he was really good. I love that dude, man. He's, he's super underrated. Like now that he's he's back in, he's you back know, at the top. He's back at the top. Breaking Bad and the Boys. And, and this is different stuff. for him. Like he's not he's not a villain. No. He's not a villain. 
Not necessarily. Um, I mean, he's an antagonist. He's an antagonist, yeah. But he's not like a monster in in some of the other people that he portrays. No. And even really the the monsters that he is, right? Like uh, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Seeing him in like Better Call Saul Mm -hmm. is a very different, very different Gus in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Definitely watch that show. Uh, So next, Steven Soderbergh's Traffic. Uh, You expected three and a half. I expected to give it four. And we both... Uh, so I think you gave it three and a half. I gave it three. Um, probably, yeah. I, I could probably go three and 3.25, I guess. I was about one. to say, I could drop it. Yeah, honestly. I mean, it's it's very long. It's bloated. Um, yeah. I hate the way it's shot. Yeah, the cinematography really gave me a headache. Yeah, and I just I don't feel like the, the individual stories were as engaging, mm. you know, as they wanted yeah. you to think they were um i think it's an interesting look at drug trafficking and human trafficking and the political aspects of it all but at the same time i just found myself being honestly bored bored for sure extremely extremely bored. in a in a topic that shouldn't be boring yeah uh so next thing we watched was stand by me what did we originally have next um let me see solaris okay so we swapped Stand by me in Solaris initially. Initially, yes. And that was because we had the opportunity to see Stand by Me in theaters, and we took it, and it is awesome. What? So what would? Let what me scroll down to where we actually had it, because I don't know if we explained this on the mic. I think we might have. We did. That um, my shit is in a different order here. Yeah, uh, we did. Stand by me. Days. You know, like part of me wanted to alphabetize these. Oof. Uh, where is it, bro? It was at the end. I want to say it was like probably like 93 or way. Yeah, here we go. 87. 87. You expected it. We both expected to give it a four. You gave it a 4.5 and I, I gave it the five star status. Fully fived it. Rob Reiner. I did, yeah. Um, this is an incredible film to me about childhood and growing up and having friends like, it's just, like, these core themes that I feel like every kid, and once you look back on your childhood as an adult, like, they're just, they're just so relatable, and it's a very it's a very sweet story about just a group of four kids and death and all this other pretty heavy shit, and it's a really quick movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, 90-ish minutes, 80, 80-ish minutes, something like that. It but I, is. I love... 89 minutes. 89 minutes. I love Rob Reiner as a storyteller. He's I, so good. He's incredible. Like the the ending made me sob like yeah, that last silently. It's, it's it's please go watch it if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, I mean it's one that we were super late to like everyone's already seen that movie, but if you haven't, it's a really important coming of age film that everyone has to see at some point, whether you're a movie fan or not. It's just yeah. that important. Uh, so the next film we watched was a documentary by Werner Herzog called Grizzly Man. Yeah, so we expected to give this a three and a half both, and we we forced it. We four-started. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what we were kind of going into. Mm-mm. I thought it was almost going to be more of like a nature documentary type yeah. thing, and it ended up being this almost true crimean yeah, character study of Timothy Treadwell. It's kind of a moral study, too, about... yeah. Like, without spoiling too much, this, this guy, Timothy Treadwell, he spent many years, um, or at the least the summers, 
with living with grizzly bears, and he had this notion that he was protecting them somehow. And he was one of their own. That he was one of their own and had their respect. And it's a really fascinating look about these delusions of grandeur almost about mm. you know whether or not he was actually doing any good at all or if he was just putting himself at risk and and the bears honestly. and well and eventually other people because other people too, he yeah. was a documentarian and so he would go and live with these bears and film it and make these documentaries out of it but really the documentaries ended up just being his own personal soapbox to talk yeah. about his own personal issues but he lived in this warp warped sense of reality where he felt like he was a bear and he was friends with these bears and that they cared about him which obviously wasn't true and he roped a lot of people into it and a lot of bad things ended up happening because of it um i think the film makes an attempt to be sort of unbiased uh in its portrayal of treadwell and whether or not he was an inherently good or bad person or what he did was good or bad but walking away from it, I was like, this dude was a fucking megalomaniac psychopath. Like, not a good dude, you know, a fucking psychopath who really needed help and was pretty much just enabled by the people around him, mm-hmm. I think. Fascinating film, though. It, yeah, and it's it's definitely, Werner Herzog just, he knows how to pick these weird Started stories. a lot of inside jokes. Oh, yeah. Us, I mean, I it's mean. one of the films that we... We, we reference so, so much. Probably the film, maybe not so much anymore, but right. the film that we've referenced the most out of I would say list. the next 30 films after that. Like, I don't know if there's a moment that went by where we didn't, you know, yeah. do a Werner Herzog impersonation because yeah. he's got a great voice. It's very iconic. So the next film we watched was Unbreakable. What was it supposed to be? Uh, Wings. Okay, so that's Wings. not too far back. Um, so I think Unbreakable and Glass were both towards the end i think so yeah because what we did was we just took unbreakable and glass and put them in front of wings because i accidentally watched unbreakable right and glass is you know the sequel so we had to watch um so it. so unbreakable is the one we watched after grizzly man yeah okay we both expected to give it a four we both rated it four stars yeah it's M. night Shyamalan when he was good um and when he tried and it's just, it's just really fun study of superpowers in the comic yeah. book industry and bruce willis does a, a great job and samuel jackson does a great job uh the kid is really good in it too um it's not like a conventional action movie or a conventional superhero movie but it kind of plays out in a really fascinating way there's a really cool shot kind of in the beginning on this train um oh yeah i mean for sure one of Shyamalan's better better films i think so yeah. and he's got some questionable He's got some of the, the worst films ever made, for yeah, sure. truly. But, truly. like, Sixth Sense is phenomenal. Unbreakable is phenomenal. I think Signs is... Or I haven't seen Signs. I mean, The Village, I think, is really good. I think he's three of my half-stars. I'm pretty sure. Uh, old was a half-star old, for me, for sure. Um, Avatar and uh, uh, The Happening. I'm pretty, those are all, for sure, ones that, I'm, that I've given uh, half-stars. See, anyway. I've never seen The Happening. Avatar um, or Last Airbender, I, did, I, don't, I didn't hate. Or, I mean, I hate it, but I didn't think it was the worst thing I'd ever seen, but that's because I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Anyway, um, so, and then we watched Glass after this, correct? Yes. Uh, you expected to give that a two. Mm-hmm. I expected to give it a three, and we both gave it a three and a half. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I understand the hate that a lot of people have for Glass. I don't personally hate it. I don't think it's like great or anything yeah i think it's kind of 
I like the twist a lot. I like the the way the story develops, but the ending ha- I have some issues with. I don't like the ending at all. Um, like so, I, I love the the twist of the ending. Right. I think it's a great idea, but I don't like the way it was executed. It's no, kind of my it, issue. It, the pacing of the of that last like fifteen minutes is really not good. So weird, and so weird. I absolutely fucking despise spoilers. How Bruce Willis's character goes out? Yeah. It what the stupid, fuck? Yeah. Like, it's really dumb. Yeah. All uh, of them, really. I mean. Yeah. And it's just, like, those characters deserve better. I mean. Yeah. For sure. They've, you know, uh, Split, I watched before mm-hmm. uh, before we watched Glass. That was, did we did we all watch that together? Yeah, we Okay, did. yeah. So, we, we all rewatched it. Um, I I really enjoyed that one. I think Split's that was great, great too. Yeah. Uh, James McAvoy, incredible. Incredible powerhouse of a, of a performer. He should have gotten an Oscar for that movie. I don't know. They they shit. It's it's really frustrating. And if anyone anyone near the Academy mm. listens to this, which they won't, yeah. they they constantly on Twitter will say, "Oh, here are our top ten horror films, or oh, here are yeah, our top yeah. ten comedy films." Absolutely. Where the fuck are the awards? So essentially, what it is, it's what? the Academy trying to, at least the Academy's brand, trying to make itself seem like the mecca of filmmaking. It's frustrating. And all genres, when in reality, that's just not what it is. So, like, you know, they'll do the... A couple years ago, they did, like, this big dance number, and they had people dressed up as the the things for Midsummer and, like, Hereditary. And I'm Uh, like, but you don't pay respect to those things. So, like... They're reaping the the fan base. Yeah, pretty much. And trying to say, hey, look, we we like... we And clearly, they see them. Yeah. They pay attention to them, but they just don't. It's just super what the insulting fuck? is what, what the it fuck? is. Uh, so the next film was Wings, directed by William Wellman. Let me scroll back up here. This um, was the first Best Picture winner at the oh. first Academy Awards, which we you know we just took a shit on. Um, but the we, next section is Best Picture winners. Yes, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, we expected, you expected a rate of 4, uh, 3.5 for me, and we both went 4.5. Yeah, I think this film earned that Best Picture nom. It um, did. I watched... Another film that was nominated that year, and I don't remember what it was called, but it was like a police drama, and that movie was really good too. Really, really well done, like filmmaking. Technically. Oh, dude, it, innovative, incredible filmmaking, super creative, like just the the planes, you know, the fighting and the battles and stuff, the way the story's laid out. It's just a really great movie. Yeah, um, I could potentially maybe five it one day, um, uh, but I don't know how like quick I am to rewatch it either. You know. Yeah, because it is a longer film. Super long, um, yeah. But yeah, definitely definitely try and watch Speaking that. of super long, Lawrence of Arabia, or as I affectionately call it, Larry Arabia, directed by David Lean. I was very disappointed. I wanted to give this five stars. You expected to give it a generous four stars. And it took us so much willpower to get through this. It took us months to get through it. Months. Months of trying. We just we watched stalled so hard. An hour, I want to say. So, Lawrence of Arabia is 227 minutes. So, that's almost a full four hours. And I don't think any film should be four hours. I, I just really don't. I think if you want to do that, you make a miniseries, right? And, you know, maybe the time was different when they made Larry Arabia. But... To me, that is just ridiculous. That was your entertainment for the year. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, four fucking hours. Who four has hours. That time to, you know, and intermissions or whatever. But like, so for starters, this to me 
is like almost the exemplification of douchebaggery in filmmaking, where you have the first four or five minutes of the film literally be a black screen with just the score playing. Yeah, Come on, it's man. Like, like that, what a waste of my life that is. You know, it's, it's a big waste. I hated the way they developed the story. I hated the way they started the story. I felt like there was so much needless filler of just nothing. Um, you know, I think there's probably a really great 4.5 star, two and a half uh, hour movie in this. Yeah. Well, and I think if they were going to make this today, it probably would be like a five part miniseries, HBO miniseries. Yeah. Because yeah. Lawrence of Arabia's story, I think, is really fascinating. And the history of, of you know, that geographic region in World War One is, mm-hmm. I think it's a story worth telling and it's a story worth hearing about. But like you were saying, there's a lot of filler in here and I just couldn't, I couldn't hold on to it yeah. to save the, the interesting parts. It was torture getting it was. through this movie, man. It was torture. Unmerciful. Oh. Unmerciful. Ridiculous. So, but we did, we did scrap through that eventually. And then we did the equally torturous Gone with the Wind, directed yeah. by Victor Fleming, which um, comes in at 233 minutes. I mean, why do, first of all, <sighs> who knows? Why did we do that to ourselves? Because we're, who oh, fuck it, yeah. Masochists. I, I, we are. Um, you expected to give this a four, I expected to give it a three and a half, and we both gave it three stars. Which I think was generous. Yeah, um, it's super generous. You know, I think Gone with the Wind definitely has its merits in terms of filmmaking, innovation, um, the, the styles and techniques that were used. It's the highest gross, grossing film of all time, um, you know, with adjusted for inflation. But it's extremely racist. Yeah, it's very hard to watch in today's today's standard because it's just so... And especially because the the actors in it, the non-white actors, were very exploited. Yeah, and we're not right. compensated fairly. Some of them weren't even allowed to see the premiere in the same theater. Yeah, like and, and along with being just a pretty shitty movie, <laughs> really well, like, boring. It's one of those things that's like it's a film made about a whimsical period in their eyes, where the world was prosperous and everything was right, while completely ignoring the fact that it was only prosperous and right for them. Yeah. And it's just, it's really gross and exploitative when you watch it, especially because it's trying to portray the South in that period as a wonderful place where everyone loved each other, when it's just not what it was. No. And when the own characters and cast members of the film were, you know, being abused, and it's just... It's just so disgusting, but it's one of the most important movies um, in cinema history, so it, it's worth watching at least once to say you watched it, and that's yeah. why we watched it. Never again. No, never. never. Again. One and done. Pass it. So next was Midnight Cowboy, directed by John Schlesinger. Um, fours across the board here. Guesses and actual. Um, I liked it. I did, too. I did, too. Um Dustin Hoffman's great. He's really good in it. He's See, one of my favorite actors. Like, I mean, his performance and his character specifically in this are very I'm fascinating. Walking here. I'm walking here. That, I mean, that's one of the most iconic lines in cinema. Yeah. And it was improvised. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, John Voight's really great. Dustin Hoffman's really great. Um, I, I like the development of the story. I think the contrast between the two characters is good. And then the downward spiral that their relationship and their health goes goes on throughout the film i think it's just really fascinating and it's a really fascinating look at sexuality and homosexuality yeah. especially in new york in the 70s or right whatever. and and for for its time like that was a very 
it's a very bold topic. Yeah. And it does it really well. And it's one that John Voight doesn't even understand. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good. And the song yeah. Everybody's Talking came from this movie. It yeah. was made for this movie. So uh, After that, we did The Manchurian Candidate, directed by John Frankenheimer. Um, which I'd like to say, we did a double feature, Midnight Cowboy and Manchurian Candidate, in the same night. And as we were watching this, I was like, there's got to be... This is... This has got to be a first. Like, it's who, never been who else video. has has done Midnight Cowboy and Manchurian Candidate films that really don't have any connection at all, other than Best Picture winners? Other than Best Picture winners, you know, like but at different points and in, you know, yeah, that very order. strange. And I think um, they're both United Artists, maybe. I think yeah, but, because we were like, oh, there's a United Artists logo. Yeah. Uh, you, we both expected to give it a four. We both gave it a four point five. Phenomenal ending. The ending is incredible. It's fucking awesome. The the way they build tension up to this final point and like all the brainwash stuff is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Super ahead of its time filmmaking. The performances are great. Like the story is really neat. I still want to get like um, if you haven't seen the movie, there's a deck of cards mm-hmm. that they use to kind of trigger the the brainwashed victim or whatever. I want one of those decks that's like all the Queen of Hearts mm-hmm. or whatever yeah, the card yeah. is. So mm-hmm. I think that's just a fun prop. Um, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I definitely definitely like this one. Uh, so from there, we went to Patton, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, uh, another 172-minute movie. Ooh. This one wasn't as unbearable. Though. No, actually, it wasn't bad. The only issue... Okay, actually, give us a... We, you expected a 3.5, I expected a 3, and we gave it a 4. Yeah, and my really only issue is that Patton was kind of a shitty dude, and they don't... They portray him doing shitty things, but they don't portray it as shitty things. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing that's, like, really not okay. Right. But they told his story in an engaging way and made good use of the three hours that it was. Um, and then George C. Scott does an incredible yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, a very, he's a powerhouse. And you, whenever he's on screen, you're, you're drawn to him. For sure. Uh, so next we did Rain Man, directed by Barry Levinson. Um, so originally we had... After Patton, we were supposed to watch Amadeus, and then Argo, and then 12 Years a Slave, and then Rain Man. Oh, interesting. So, so the way we watched we it did. was Rain Man, Amadeus, Argo, 12 Years. And I think that had to do with the streaming services that they were on. We had trouble like finding... That's true, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you said we watched Rain Man next, right? Yeah, Rain Man. We expected to give this um, four stars. You gave it a four star. I gave it a three and a half at the end. I could go I could go back and forth between three and a half and four. It's like right on the border for me. Yeah. Um, Dustin Hoffman's so good in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he's immaculate. Yeah. Immaculate. Yeah, and Tom Cruise is good too, but he ain't Dustin Hoffman in it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's like Dustin Hoffman just steals steals the show. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he just gives such a powerhouse performance, and it's such a departure from anything he's ever really done before. Yeah. Um, great story. Great, you know, about their relationship and how Tom Cruise's character exploits his brother. Um, the ending is interesting. It was kind of my only issue with the film was sort of spoilers i don't feel like tom cruise ever actually developed like feelings for dustin hoffman's character like other than using him or maybe his feelings that he did have for him purely came from using him it wasn't right, like a yeah. real thing yeah I don't know. his actual arc is yeah kind of it feels flat it doesn't feel yeah. like he learned anything for at sure. the end of the day um but it's it's an important movie so after that was Amadeus, directed by Milos Forman. Uh, did, did he do something else? He did something. Oh, Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, that's right. Huh. Yeah. Who Cuckoo else? Nest. What else did he do? 
Uh, so Cougars Nest Amadeus, Man on the Moon, People versus oh, Larry Flint. Oh wow! Yeah, he did. He did a fair amount of stuff. Yeah, some different stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, you expect to give this a four? I was expecting a four point five. We both give it a three and a half. Another super long. Just way movie. too fucking long, man. You know. There's um, some funny stuff in there, um, like portraying Mozart in the way that he is portrayed is super fascinating. Like you mm-hmm. have this unreliable narrator. I think those are always really interesting. For sure. Um, but it's 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 kind of a biopic. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird. It's one of those things where my interest waxed and waned throughout. You know, For some, sure. at some points I was heavily invested. And then when I realized, oh, we still have another hour and a half, okay, well, now I'm going to lose interest again. And But by the end of it, I was into it, and I liked the way that the story went. Yeah. It'll be a bit before I rewatch it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if and If I if do, ever. you know, we'll see. Uh, after that was Argo, Fuck Yourself by Ben Affleck. Argo, Fuck Yourself. Yeah, uh, we, fours across the board, expected and, and uh, actual. It's so crazy because, like, for people that don't know, this is based off the true story of... I love this. We had citizens that at the embassy that were taken captive in Iran, was it? Or Iraq? And yes, one of those, um, one of those countries. So we were trying to get them out, but we couldn't negotiate the hostage situation. So the CIA sent in a bunch of American citizens disguised as a film crew to sneak out the the hostages. And both of us, sort of spoilers for the movie, but it's a real life thing, so we get over it. Both of us thought they failed. Yeah. So the whole time we're watching it, we're like, oh, this is where they get caught. No. Oh, this is no. And then they're on the plane, and we're like, "Oh, so this is where they get stopped." Nope, they fucking make it. It was actually awesome. It yeah, definitely it enhanced crazy. the experience yeah. because we I, we were actually on the edges of our seats. Yeah, thinking, like when are when they the going to get caught? Yeah, and it's like you feel the tension, and I, I think we had a very unique experience. Right, because I film. feel like if I had known that they made it, there would be no tension. Exactly. Yeah, because they would make it. Who cares? Yeah. You know, they're not going to change that. Right. But the fact that I thought they weren't. And then we get the happy ending. It was like, oh, shit. Well, because we were watching it and thinking like up until the uh, almost literally until the they were credits, in the air. Yeah. yeah. We were thinking like, fuck, something's going to happen. Like, yeah. are they going to get shot down? Like what? And then I remember Googling it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And no, they, they got out. They it was cool. It fucking it. worked. Yeah, which is just mind blowing. It's such a crazy story, too. Yeah. And Affleck does a really great job. And Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, so the next film was 12 Years a Slave by Steve McQueen. Uh, we both expected a four, and we gave it a four and a half. Yeah, really just emotional powerhouse of a film. Um, Chivatella Giafor is just, he does such a great job. Lupita Nyong'o is really phenomenal in it, too. Brad Pitt's got this weird accent. He does, man. <laughs> he can't do southern accents. It's a strange, like, strange. I don't, I'm not sure how that one flew by no. on set. Uh, Fastbender's great. Oh, yeah, he is. Just really, really powerful, impactful movie about you know this dude's journey from a free man to a slave back to being a free man. Um, it's just such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, but it's a really great film. Absolutely. Great story. Yeah. Uh, so that ends our Best Picture winners. Next is Amy Heckerling's Clueless. Oh, okay. So we expected, uh, f- I expected a four, or I'm sorry, you expected a four, I expected three and a half, we both gave it four. Such a, it's just a fun, it is. Know, stupid, funny movie. Um, it's very Rudd, clever in its jokes, too. Alicia like, Silverstone. Yeah. It's just, it's, and it, it knows what it is, and it knows what it's satirizing. 
you know, and I think that's really when comedy's at its best, when it knows what it's making fun of, but yeah. also isn't, like, insulting about it. Um, and I see her, like, yellow and black, like, yeah, stri- yeah. is it plaid or is it striped? I think it's I'm plaid. Not, whatever. I see that outfit, like, as a Halloween costume. As if. Every year. And that, like, it's 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 got so much of that in it that just really makes those kind of movies for me. Uh, so next was Made, directed by John Favreau. Um, we both expected to give this three and a half. We gave it a three. I was so disappointed by this movie. I wanted to like it so much more than we did. It was such a frustrating experience. You wanted to scream at the TV the entire time. Um, yeah, the characters are very unlikable. Very unlikable. Yeah, it's just... And not in a good way. Frustrating is just the best way that I can describe it. Yeah. Um, and disappointing, ultimately. But the next film was Doug Lyman's Swingers. Uh, fours Across the Board. I could go five on this one day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just, I loved this film. To me, it was everything that indie film represents. Yeah, it's very um, refreshing. If you're if you're really, like, longing for that kind of... Experience. Atmosphere, yeah, experience. Like, definitely check this one out. The cinematography's really clever. It's awesome. And fresh. The writing's just so sharp. The performances yeah. are great. Vince Vaughn, John Favreau, Heather Graham at the end. Oh, there's a, there's a scene with John Favreau on the phone that, like really oh. makes you uncomfortable but yeah. you want to hug you want to hug him you relate to it a bit yeah you know i mean oh it's it's, it's great but it's it's, it's just a great film it's kind of a, a warm hug uh so the next three films were a trilogy directed by richard linklater and that's the before trilogy before sunrise before sunset before midnight uh okay so let me scroll okay so you expected to give these all fours i expected to give uh the first one four and a half and the other two four uh you fived all three i did uh, I give the first one 4.5, the second one 4, and uh, the third one 5. Yeah, there's just so much that can be said um, uh, about these films. I think it's probably the greatest trilogy of all time. I think it might be the most important trilogy of all time. It's everything I want from a movie, everything I want from a script. The acting by Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy is just incredible the way that they memorize and deliver the lines the writing by both of them and link later is just so perfect the settings are incredible it's really just a big walk and talk throughout europe um and it's just everything about it's so special and romantic and heartwarming and heartbreaking and it's about very real the first one's about young love and the naivety of it Second one's about revisiting that and how you kind of romanticize things in your brain as you get older. And then the third one's about the tragic reality of what growing old with someone is. And it's just, it's so honest and just wonderful. Yeah. And like everyone, everyone that has a heart yeah, or has a, anything, any yeah. sort of emotion at all, mm-hmm. you could, you could find something from these. I would like to, to yeah. rewatch them and kind of break them down. And they were filmed further. nine years apart from each other too. So it's like genuine, you know, it's these people that have had these experiences throughout their lives. Oh yeah. Recognizing They're them. actually getting older. And they're actually aged. It's incredible. It's, yeah, it's just so wonderful. Linklater has the most patience of any filmmaker. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with that and Boyhood and just all of his other projects, mm-hmm. like, like Slacker, you yeah. have to have patience to make that shit. That Lots shit. of patience. Imagine editing that movie. Yeah. We well, and you, it's but. crazy too, because like, I think Slackers, I had like you know two stars, yeah. and then this before trilogy, I think are all fives. And School of Rock's phenomenal. Oh yeah, and th- that's oh man, he's got so much. Bernie's a really good Linklater film too. I haven't um, seen that. Is that with Jack Black and McConaughey? And McConaughey, wow. Yeah, okay. it's essentially Jack Black murders this old woman, 
that everybody in the town hated, so no one wants him to go to jail for it. And oh. McConaughey is like the state attorney that's like, you murdered someone, you're going to jail. So they have to like move the trial right. to a different state because everyone would... Yeah, because they the love jury, Bernie. His they hate the the yeah. woman, so they're like, oh, "Who cares?" It's a really wow. great movie That's about a real life dude that Richard Linklater eventually let live in his basement after he got out of prison. Oh my god, it's a wild story, man. That is insane. Great, great film though. Uh, so after that was Five Hundred Days of Summer. Uh, we expected to give this directed fours. by Mark Webb. Mark Webb, yes. Uh, we expect to give this four stars. We both gave it four and a half. I was a bit disappointed. I wanted to give it five, like before i don't i don't i don't know why i'd said four because i've always thought it would be a five ultimately wasn't the story that i thought it was gonna be yeah for some reason i thought it was a musical but it's not there's like a musical scene but the the whole film isn't yeah and like both of both the main characters i i like they're frustrating they're frustrating and like parts of the different characters you you find yourself in Mm -hmm. and it's not a good thing yeah i related to so there's a scene where you know, Joe Gordon Lovett's in love with Zoe Deschanel, and she's not really in love with him back. And <laughs> there's a scene where someone's like, "So you met this girl?" And he's like, "Yeah." And she told you she didn't want a commitment or a relationship. And he's like, "Yeah." And you dated her anyway. And he's like, "Yeah." And she told you not to fall in love with her. And he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, "And you did anyway." And he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, "And you're mad at her." And he's like, "Well, okay, I guess that's not fair." And I'm like, I, I relate to that. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. she told you, hey, man, I'm not looking for this. Right. We shouldn't get involved if that's what you want. He's like, ah, oh, no, it's cool. And then he falls in love with it. Yeah, it's a very interesting story, though. Um, the music's great. One of the best true. soundtracks of all time. I like the way the story progresses. I think the ending is really great. There's a good gut punch moment in it. And just a lot of fascinating filmmaking techniques that you just don't really see. Um, there's a scene where it shows you like what actually happened and oh, the alternate yeah. reality of it at the same time, and that's just really cool. It is. The opening is set to Regina Spector's Us, and that's a great song, and it's a great way to kind of show the differences in the characters. Great movie. Uh, so next is where I watched Hunt for the Wilder People, and you watched Grand, Grand Illusion. Illusion. Yeah. So we'll talk about Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. I was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I gave it, you expected a four, I expected a four, I gave it a four, you gave it a three and a half. I was bored. Um, I like the story of Ricky Baker, is that his yeah. name? Yeah, I like Ricky Baker. Uh, I don't like that kid, though. I don't really think he's a good actor. Right. Sam Neill was pretty good in it. The cop chick was, you know, kind of funny or whatever, but I don't know. Ultimately, I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah, I, I, I liked it a bit more. I don't know if I was just in an engaged mood. Or I, I had my attention. I, I, I wasn't doing anything else. Like I, I, my phone was charging, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'll just throw on a movie." Mm-hmm. And that's when I accidentally watched <laughs> watched The Wilder People. I don't know if it was was it on Netflix or yeah. it, I blame Netflix for enabling me. It was very accessible. It was like like a parent who doesn't put their medication in a high enough shelf. That's I blame Netflix. Potentially, I think. <laughs> You know, I would. I almost the only time that Obviously I almost blind, fucked up was when I started Mud, and then like thirty seconds into it, was like, wait a second. We also we we both started Enemy, and then and we, we started like, Enemy in the same thing. We're not going to do that this year. No, we um, are fucking firm. And, but and doing this I right. like that kind of adventuring through the wilderness gimmick. Like that's always 
that's always fun to me. Um, and on the run from the law, I think that was a really funny twist, especially the, uh, the foster care woman, mm-hmm. like getting increasingly violent and worked up. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, I think for me, just, I have a weird thing with Taika Waititi because I despise Thor Ragnarok with my entire heart and yeah. soul. Every movie you watch, you have to swallow that. Yeah. Well, but this <laughs> is the thing. What I'm saying is I love what we do in the shadows. I really like yeah. Jojo Rabbit. And I didn't like this one. So Taika is always, it's an up or down situation with me. But ultimately, I always feel like he's Wes Anderson light. Mm. He tries to be Wes Anderson and fails. And he's meaner than Wes Anderson. So like, I don't, sometimes I think that's what my disconnect is, is that he tries to be like Wes. I can see that, yeah. Isn't, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why I didn't like this movie so much. Um, And fuck Thor Ragnarok. So the next section we did was James Bond. Uh, this was a fucking mess. This is, I think, my least favorite. It was <laughs> part. horrible. Like I don't look like the other movies that we that we you the know, long the sections, ass movies, right? Like Jack Nicholson's, I look back on mostly fondly. Like that was a fun experience. These, I just did not have a good time with no. any of them. They were boring. We they picked were bad ones. Made. I don't know. Maybe when I think we picked the the ones considered to be good because the first one we did was Terrence Young's From Russia With Love. Yeah. Which is like the quintessential Bond film at Shanghai. So yeah. I'll just kind of rapid fire down the four of these. Um, from Russia, we expected three, both three and a half. So we gave him three. Uh, GoldenEye was three across the board. Octopussy was three across the board. Uh, License to Kill was two and a half across the board. And then Casino Royale, we both expected to give four, and we gave it one and a half, which apparently it's a fucking parody or something. Yeah, so like... We had no idea. So the first Daniel Craig Bond movie is called Casino Royale. I thought that that was a remake of the old Casino Royale made in the 60s. It was a Bond movie. When in reality, the Casino Royale from the 60s is a parody of James Bond that uses the character. So we were like, and we didn't realize it was a parody until like an hour and a half in. Yeah. And I think so we were like judging it extra hard because yeah. we were like, this is fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's so fucking goofy. Yeah. And then when we realized it was a parody, we were like, oh, okay. Well, I'm, I kind of like it a bit more. Ultimately, though, still just not, not a very good movie. Yeah. Boring. And then the, the shitty thing is, from Russia with Love, Goldeneye, License to Kill, and Octopussy are so indistinguishable. They are. That I, I could, could not. not tell you anything about any of them. The I only know. thing I could tell you about oh, Goldeneye is that there was a heel turn from his friend or something. And that's it. Good luck. with, with Don't that. watch them. Yeah, just watch the Daniel Craig ones. You'll be all right. Uh, so the original goal... For the, the film challenge was we wanted a hundred to be a culmination and something important. So we originally wanted Citizen Kane to be the hundredth film because neither of us had seen it. But Citizen Kane was going to be showed in theaters in September of 2021. So our goal after we figured that out was to have the list done by mm-hmm. September. Uh, we failed miserably. We did. So we just moved Not even close. Citizen Kane up to let's see what spot it was. I just exited out of that. 64, and we swapped it with Solaris, which we ended up making the main event. And that didn't go over well. No. Citizen Kane, though, what what was the prediction? We both gave it, or expected to give it five. We both gave it four and a half. Um, it is, it's incredible filmmaking. I just did yeah. not have enough to kick it to that five star for me. Great writing, great performances. Orson Welles is a powerhouse. 
my issue was I was so fucking dreadfully tired in the theater. Mm. Not bored, but tired that I was like falling asleep. So I wasn't as engaged as I could have been. I would totally rewatch this. I, I would, would totally for sure, it. and I think I could give it five on a rewatch. Yeah. The um, ending is like brutal great. gut punch. Yeah, the Rosebud stuff is phenomenal. And like you hear about Rosebud as a reference. Throughout the film, and then they pay it off. And and like after, you know, it, in its years since it's since it was made, like you hear about Rosebuds being like a, yeah. a tool or like a thematic whatever in other stories and i never understood what it was people always use it wrong when they talk they about it they, they, they really miss the point but th- this film actually does something really interesting where it tells you at the beginning you know uh, whatever kane has died this is what his life is and they like do this 10 minute montage where they run through like newspapers talking about his life and telling you every event and yeah and then the rest of the film is showing you each of those events it's really neat in order and you would think that would be a deterrent you know, or just go against the film, but it's it actually works out really well, and it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, I don't think it's the greatest film ever made, though. No, which a lot of people do, but I don't. No, I it's it's it don't. could be one of them for sure, and it, like yeah. obviously, what it did for for films is very important. For sure, yeah. Um, so after that was the Corpse Bride, directed by Tim Burton and Mike Johnson. Okay, here we go. All right, uh, we expected to give that uh, three and a half each, and we went four stars. Yeah, it was just a really cute morbid story very short it's like yeah. 70 minutes yeah the nice. animation's incredible the acting is really fun um it, you know i dig some goth chicks and this movie's inspired many a goth chick so like it, for sure you know I've, I've seen like cosplays of it and stuff so i like i knew kind of what the gimmicks were but i do really enjoy it um and i think the script was just really well written mm-hmm. uh so this was this is also the tim burton section uh mars attacks is next uh we expected to give that a three and we went two and a half i was so bored fun cast but it's ultimately wasted mm-hmm. on just a very boring stupid script yeah i know those are harsh words but i just did not enjoy myself watching this it's just dumb man it just wasn't funny wasn't entertaining no yeah i was just bored uh so from there we did frank and weenie the original disney uh, movie, TV movie, and then the remake animated, both directed by Tim Burton. Um, threes across the board for both of these. Yeah, um, they were they were fine. They were fine. They were fine. I liked the the shorter one better. Yeah, know. I like I visually. Charlie Duvall's in it. Yeah, I, I visually I liked the the animated one just because I like watching that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean they're pretty much the same story. Uh, so from there, we did the original Suspiria by Dario, Dario Argento, and then the remake by Luca Guadagnino. Um, um, so yeah, we originally, you guessed you were going to give the original Suspiria five. Mm-hmm. I suspected four, uh, and we went fours for this. Yeah. And then what so, about the remake? And then the remake, threes across the board. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I I did I had a big issue with the dubbing of the original film. It's really bad. Really bad, and really goofy. distracting. The colors are obviously incredible. The music's incredible. The storyline, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. Um, Susie Bannon is an interesting character, but ultimately, I don't know. There was something missing from it for me. The remake... Very long, confusing, bloated. <sighs> boring and... Boring. To me, it ultimately just lacked the heart of the original. Um, different endings, too. Different endings. The, the color wasn't the same, which is one of the best mm-hmm. things about the original. Um, There's some brutal fucking violence in that last bit. Like, spoilers, yeah. 
Like it's kind of nuts, and that was really the only time I was interested. Is yeah, it was the, the final scene when the final like ten minutes was on. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, nah. Watch the original. Yeah. Um, okay, so after that was Eraserhead by David Lynch. Um, you expected a five. We both did actually. We both gave it three and a half. Once again, man, I was bored, confused, didn't really feel like it made any sense. I wanted to like this so much because. It's a really, he said it was based off of a dream that he had, yeah. right, of this, or really, it was it was that mixed with his own... He won't tell anyone what it means, but a lot of people have kind of matched up the timeline with, it took him like five years to make yeah. this movie, which I can relate to, and essentially they matched it up with the pregnancy and birth and early childhood of his daughter, so a lot of people think it's this big allegory that he made for fatherhood and how he felt about being a parent, yeah. which is not a positive portrayal no, at, all. at all. Um, and he's kind of a fucking weirdo and kind of a dick, too, so that doesn't surprise me. But this movie's just weird. It's weird and uncomfortable, and like the sound, the sound design is pretty phenomenal, but it makes you very uncomfortable. And that's its yeah. job, obviously. Like, and it's it does this, it well. It's this industrial hellscape that he's living in and taking care of this alien baby thing yeah that's it was hard to watch it was yeah. hard to watch now I, I, I mean i would rewatch it eventually probably yeah. i don't want to rewatch it though. thankfully it's short thankfully yeah uh so after that was roman polanski's rosemary's baby once again fuck roman polanski this movie that Garbage, was important yeah. so. um for, you expected a 4.5 i expected a five another disappointment we we gave this three and a half stars I didn't really like it up until the ending. Yeah. And same. the ending I liked a lot, but the rest of the movie I, I was not a fan of. Yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't pay attention. It was frustrating. The character was frustrating, yeah. Dumb. Um, Rosemary's That's always not, tough. not a smart character. Um, I wanted it to be so much more. I really thought it was going to be this like, know, beacon terrifying. of horror, yeah. but it wasn't. And it was, it's really like one of the biggest ones that I was holding out for in the horror same. Horror lists. Same. And it just didn't end up being what we wanted it to. Uh, so the next two films on the list were Paddington 1 and 2, both directed by Paul King. Uh, you expected to give Paddington 1 and 2 4.5. Uh, you gave him 4. I expected to give him 4.5. I gave him 4. Yeah, both fun, wholesome, heartfelt movies that are obviously about Paddington Bear. The Felt CGI like Wes is Anderson. great. It's Wes Anderson movies, but for kids, pretty much. Um, but adults can enjoy them, too, obviously. Um, there's some really great emotional moments in these films. The second one is a lot more adventurous, I think, than the first. And the second one has this massive reputation that precedes it. Yeah. Um, and it's they're both really fun, you know, good movies. Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant are the best. Oh, guys. yeah. Um, yeah. Just great, great movies. Hugh Grant plays himself. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, After that was Raising Arizona by Joe Cohen. Uh, you expected to give it a three. We gave it a three and a half. I expected to give it a three and a half. We gave it a three and a half. Yeah. I liked it. That's pretty good, actually. It's a yeah. Fun, kind of fast paced movie. Nick Cage, uh, Holly Hunter, right? That opening is like John Goodman. Lightning speed. It's quick, man. It's yeah. really fast. But the movie's engaging and the characters are funny and entertaining yeah. and interesting. And, you know, it's one of the Coen Brother movies that I like more because I'm also not a huge Coen Brothers fan. Yeah, because they, they don't really, it doesn't feel like a Coen Brothers movie for the most part. No, not really. It, it feels very tame and connected to yeah. humanity. I like, don't know. the characters still feel outlandish, but yeah. it's not like people that you've never met. Right. You know, they exist. They're out there. Oh, for sure. 
after that was Charlie Chaplin, City Lights. Uh, you expected to give this a five. I expected a four. We both gave it three and a half. I was kind of bored again, man. Same. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a fascinating look at Chaplin's repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, I didn't really take too much away from it. No, and I think it was just ultimately a bit meandering for my taste. Yeah, definitely. Wasn't definitely very meandering. focused. Um, and sometimes with, like, silent films, it's hard to be engaged with it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This one just didn't do it for me. Um, After yeah. that, though, we did Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr., directed by Richard Attenborough. Um, we expected to give this four. You gave it a three. I gave it a two and a half. I really just was dreadfully bored during this entire thing. Very long. I did not like it. Didn't portray him as much of a scumbag as he probably should have been. Yeah. Um, good performances and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know. Ultimately, I was just kind of bored. Like, there was some stuff that I was like, oh, this would be neat, and then they just dropped it. Yeah, for sure. So, and then the ending I didn't think was very good. No. I for- honestly, forgettable for me. The only thing that I took away from that is um, when uh chaplin first gets to the u.s and he has to prove that he's charlie chaplin and he does his routine mm-hmm. i think robert downey jr does a killer job at that he's very good that was the last time that i was interested in anything <laughs> in anything for the rest I of your life it. for the rest yeah until right now yeah. and even now just barely holding on and it's chaplin's fault he it is it for us uh so next we did another tim burton film ed wood um you expected to give us a four uh you gave it a three and a half i expected four and gave it a four I like this one a lot. I think Edward's a very tragic character. Yeah. Um, but he, I think he's he's got a a fun reputation. Like I love his spirit of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the second half of it, right? Like the first half that you know everyone glorifies is one being a good filmmaker, and that's important. Yeah. But the second part is not giving up and like really trying, but never really getting there. Yeah. And I think that's super heartbreaking and fascinating and. That, I relate a lot to his character. Like the the story of Ed Wood being someone who's chasing greatness and not quite catching it, mm-hmm. paired with Bela Lugosi at the end of his life, who yes. lost the yeah. greatness and is trying to get it back. It's just a really fascinating kind of contrast between the characters. And Johnny Depp's great. Martin Landau's great. Um, you know, it's not a conventional Tim Burton movie, but it is really entertaining and it's really good. And it's just a neat look into Hollywood. And, oh yeah, you know what? what and that like whole production and for finance sure, yeah. behind the film, behind the scenes of films for sure. Uh, so next was another Tim Burton film, Big Fish. Uh, you expected a three, I expected a four and a half, and we gave it four. The end of this film made me weep. It's it's very good. Relentlessly, I like I was as invested. It kind of had lost me at different points. Um, Ewan McGregor was obviously good though. Uh, Fucking Billy Crudup is one of my favorite Mm. actors. I think he's so great. He's awesome. Um, But yeah, I wasn't like super in until the the ending, the last fifteen minutes or so, and I was just weeping the entire way through. It's 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 like the last ten minutes. You see where it's going. Yeah, you understand. And when it finally what happens, it's like oh, you just—it just starts pouring. So fucking just starts bad. pouring. Uh, so after that, we did Denny Villeneuve's Enemy. Um, let's see. This we we kind of got out of order with all these, so I've just been. This just been is where it fast just gets loose. crazy. Yeah, because we had to fucking finish. Where is Enemy? Because let's see, ones. Enemy. We were at, that was okay. our 80th film, and we were at like right. November. Right. I think. Um, November. So you expected to give this 4.5. I expected a four, and we both gave it three and a half. I just 
did not grasp the concept. I think you looked up some stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. We, I, I looked up some stuff about its themes. Um, and I was a bit more interested after that, but I just I was not connecting with the, the messages. It's very uh, fragmented, I guess is the best word that I can use. And sure. there's some weird stuff with spiders that it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I think there is a lot to it. Ultimately, though, it's one of those things, I think, where at a certain point, these filmmakers that make these weird abstract movies that are extremely confusing have to remember they're making a movie. Yeah. You know, Was it a book or something? Is it something an like that, maybe. I don't even remember. They but like to adapt stuff. There, there's got to be something more there. And I think this film does have it, but like, there's yeah. got to be at least something there on a first-time watch. For like, sure. I believe in the Shakespearean way of storytelling of you introduce a theme or idea or something very vaguely, and if the audience picks up on it, great. As you go on, you introduce it a bit more heavily, but still not super overt, and then more people can understand it, connect some dots, and then by the end, you finally come out and say fully what this is. Explain the thought finally, so then everyone can grasp it. This film does not do that. No, it doesn't. It does not do that. It requires all. a lot of the viewer. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I did like it, though, and I think eventually on a rewatch, yeah. I, I would bump it up to it. It's short, form. too. Very short. And Hall's great. He is. Uh, so after that was Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Uh, threes for both of yours, and mm-hmm. I expected to give it a four. I gave it a three. Very disappointed with this. Great Specifically, first 45 minutes. Yes. The end and like that, when it really starts to fucking open up, I just it loses me completely. I don't yeah. think the, the spoilers for this, I don't think that weird alien sunburnt dude was necessary at all. Terrible. It in the way that it's filmed is really not Terrible. pleasant to watch. It's nauseating. Half star filmmaking. It's bad. Throughout it's it. really bad. The first half I was like super excited for. The first forty five minutes are really good. Yeah. Chris Evans gives an incredible performance. Chillian Murphy's really great. Um, Rose Burns really great in it, uh, but fuck man, I would say about forty five minutes in when it starts to get a bit more apparent about what's happening, and then when they yeah. introduce that creepy dude, fuck, it's just waste of Mark Strong too. Oh, by the way, shit. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a waste of Mark Strong. Um, Michelle Yeoh is good in it. Cliff Curtis is good in it. Benedict Wong is really good in it. But he's oh yeah, really, Wong, he's good in everything. But kick ass, yeah, man, I just. I don't know that ending. Not even the ending. The second half of it. Put a bad unfortunate mouth. Yeah, three star. Uh, So next is the Usual Suspects, which is a double whammy of dog shit because it's directed by Brian Singer and it stars Kevin Spacey. Yeah. What a oh yeah, not great. No. Um, We both expected four. We gave it a three and a half. I was very disappointed by this. I wanted to give it a higher score than I I guessed that it would be. Um, I actually thought this was going to be my favorite one. And it just wasn't. Um, yeah, disappointed. It, the ending is really awesome. That's what makes this score for me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, the characters are interesting. They're not used to their full potential, though. No. The performances are good. Yeah. My thing is this. I, so, spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen it. I knew the twist that Spacey was Kaiser Soche. I don't know that you did. I didn't. I had... I, I knew something was funky with Kaiser Soze and... And, and um, Spacey. Uh, what was his character's name? Couldn't even tell you. I'm going to look it up, because it's... It's in front of me. I'll look it up. Um, let's see... Verbal Kent or something? 
Verbal. Yeah, Verbal Kent. Yeah. Roger Kent. And, and like, there's there's a couple podcasts with Chris, Christopher McQuarrie out there that he, he explains how he wrote the characters' names. That He was, like, sitting in front of a billboard and was, like, picking random words mm-hmm. and, like, creating the story, which is kind of how, spoilers, how Spacey was doing it at the end while he's being interrogated. Yeah. He's just kind of pulling random bullshit crafting this narrative from this billboard behind him and the way they reveal that is awesome but so i'd heard someone years ago say the usual suspects is one of the greatest films of all time unless you know that kevin spacey is kaiser mm. social then it's not worth watching right i agree because i already knew and i was bored as fuck man because the twist was meaningless to me i already knew and usually i'm fine about that like i can still appreciate crafting the twist but i don't know in this one i just it didn't feel is good and yeah the fact that it's kevin spacey and brian singer makes it harder to get invested and in. it just it does rely a lot on that last twist yes to kind of send you home with uh satisfaction uh okay so the next film was the tree of life by terrence malick Oof. i liked this way more than i thought i would um yeah i we both expected a three we gave it a three and a half I would um, give it four on a rewatch, actually. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I would have to rewatch it. It's just, there's a lot of strange stuff in it that sure. I don't find super necessary no. or, or feel like connects to the, um, to the, the bigger picture. Yeah. I would agree. The dinosaur stuff and the space stuff doesn't really Fucking match. No, yeah. Like, but I think the Brad Pitt, Jessica Chastain, like that storyline and the kid and Sean Penn, I, I like that stuff a lot. And the cinematography is incredible and, I don't know. I think there's a lot of good in it. And then I don't even think the bad is bad as much as it's just abstractly weird to a detriment. Yeah. You know. Um, next film, though, was Night of Cups by Terrence Malick. Um, half star across the board. Yeah, we thought we were going to hate it, and then we hated it. And fun fact, this is the last half star that we give. Oh, is it really? Yeah, we only gave two half stars each, and um, the other one was for old the boy. Old Boy remake. Yeah, That's cool. So, I, way better yeah. than I thought we were going to. For sure. Um, this movie's terrible. Such dog shit. It has no narrative whatsoever. The script doesn't exist. It's All the fucking characters pretentious as shit. So pretentious. The performances are oh, bad. God. Don't watch it. No. Um, it's such I a waste of time, really. There's literally any other better use of your time. You could sit there and, and meditate... I, for the audio, I am using air quotes. Just sit there and enjoy the peace and quiet before you watch this two-hour thing. It's yeah. not good. It's it just sucks so bad. Um, next though was when Harry met Sally. Once again, directed by Rob Reiner. Um, he kicks ass, man. We both yeah. we expected four. We gave it four and a half. I will give this five on a rewatch. Actually, it's um, just I was so tempted. Revolutionary for that genre. Just like it spawned, fun, man. it spawned hundreds of, I won't, I won't say like, um, copycats or like replicas, but it did really birth a new type of movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. And Rob Reiner, then he just knows how to touch into the human emotion. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I just think and Mike Wazowski's great, by the way. Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, <laughs> Carrie Fisher. It's just the cast's incredible. The two leads, yeah. and they're so relatable and you charismatic. Just like them so much. Um, Billy Crystal starts out as a scumbag who wins you over, and Meg Ryan is just the ideal woman. Um, I'll, you know, I'd love to marry Meg Ryan. Um, it's just in the way that they kind of splice in these interviews with old couples about how they met and what their I life's like. I love that stuff. It's that just, was really good. It's such a wholesome, fun, emotional movie, and it's the like quintessential date night flick, too. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll five it one day. I actually bought it at Target for five bucks the other day. Sweet deal. So, Wherever it is. Uh, is behind you. Actually. Oh, is it on the shelf already? On the top. My favorite shelf. Oh, very uh, nice. So the next film was You've Got Mail by Nora Ephron. I was disappointed. Um, 3.5s across the board. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's very predictable and it's frustrating. Like It did. See, I, I didn't think it was predictable necessarily because all the stuff I thought was going to happen didn't. Mm. Like I thought... You know, for people that don't know, it's these two pen pals that are emailing each other, you know, whatever, and then in real life they hate each other. And then at a certain point you think it's going to be revealed that they, you know, they're who they are, and then it's not, and then Tom Hanks gets weird. I don't know. It does I, get weird about it. I just, I didn't like it that much. Um, I would say out of the Meg Ryan trilogy of You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle, and When Harry Met Sally, this one is like at the bottom of my list of those three. Yeah, it's just not what I not what I anticipated. And those, speaking of not what you anticipated, Melancholia by Lars oh, von Trier. God, that movie sucks, man. I'm it's sorry. not good. It's filmed like The Office. And it is, and I don't understand the dialogue. Like uh, I'm sure there are going to be some mega Melancholia fans out there that are going to a little hate us, crucify us. But that's what this whole list is. Honestly, yeah. Is yeah, just that's fair. Shit on I mean, for... that's that's what movies are made for—is to disagree about them. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if if someone could tell me why this deserves a rewatch, I won't listen to you because I'm not going to touch this again. As I, say, I don't, I don't like Lars von Trier. I think he's a fucking weird guy. He's very pretentious. He's very pretentious, and especially like because I've seen the first Nymphomaniac movie. That it's it's very strange. It's it's pretentious again, mm-hmm. and the, the comparisons that, that movie makes. I just have a lot of problems with, mm-hmm. but this movie was just a fucking this is a drag. I felt like I was just walking through mud the entire time. Yeah. And it's like ultimately about the apocalypse and it feels like it, except yeah. by the end, I'm like, please fucking kill us all, man. In this shit. And it just happens. Yeah. And I, yeah. So uh, we expected to give it four. We gave it a half, one and a half stars. So next I think was supposed to be Magnolia. Correct. Instead, it was Going Clear, Scientology, and the Prison of Belief by yeah. Alex Gibney. Um, great film. We expected Incredible. to give it four. We gave it four and a half. Incredible documentary about the horrors of Scientology and just how evil they all are. And it was like a real, it was a pretty specific topic about like their process and mm-hmm. like how was they. was explaining it. Yeah, know? explaining their, the actual science, uh, if you can even call it that. It's not. It's not science. Yeah. But like their their techniques for how they kind of... Mentally trap people. Yeah. Because it's not Scientology bad. It's, this is what Scientology is. This is how it does what it does. And this is why it's wrong. And it's a fascinating look at like L. Ron Hubbard and his dynamic. Tom Cruise. Like it's so easy to see through his facade that... Pretty much up until he he wrote like Dianetics and stuff, he was saying, you know, the the best way to get rich is to start a religion or to start a cult and stuff like that. He says, I'm going to do this for money. And then he does it. And then he does it. For money. And And then people follow it. But I think it was also really interesting that he started, and Nightmare Alley actually does this interestingly too, that like once you try and believe something so hard or you lie enough about it, you start to believe in it yourself absolutely and that's clearly what happened here like he he was doing these sessions 
And when those didn't work, he actually reached out for psychiatric help. It's it, there's so much to unpack there. Definitely go watch it. Well, one on of the HBO. greatest kind of expose documentaries of all yeah. time. Um, it's one that I could even see myself rewatching because it's oh, for so sure. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so after that, we did Nowhere Boy by Sam Taylor Johnson, which is a biopic about John Lennon as a teenager. Um, let's see, Nowhere Boy. Uh, threes across the board here. Yeah, I was bored. I hate biopics. I especially hate biopics that lie. Yeah, knowing that it just is complete fiction, yeah, it's hard it's, to get involved in. It's just dumb and stupid and just not worth it. Aaron Taylor Johnson was good, though. His accent, I liked a lot. I think it really matched mm-hmm. really matched that Liverpool. I don't know where he's from, but I, I was know. I was entertained by that, at least. That's as uh, much as I can say. So next was Teen Wolf by Rod Daniel. Ugh. Um, Rough movie, man. It's rough. Not it's, a good movie. No, you expected a three point five. I expected a three, and we got a two. It's just really goofy, stupid. Um, it's stupid. It's yeah. very predictable with its plot yeah. and the sports stuff. I just am not interested by it all. Yeah, just dumb. Yeah, ultimately, not, it's a shame because I, I I love Michael J. Fox a lot, mm. and I you know he was probably the only reason I gave it two stars. Um, so next was Almost Famous by Cameron Crowe. This it took us weeks to oh, fucking watch this movie. I mean, we it tried is impossible to everywhere find. to find the theatrical cut. You can only find the bootleg director's cut on, on the internet, on streaming services for rent or purchase. It's frustrating. We eventually had to rent the fucking theatrical release on, on Xbox. On Xbox. Yeah. So, that being said... What did we? Uh, four each as a guess, and we actually gave it four and a half. It's a great fucking movie. I'm probably going to five it on a rewatch. It's a really fun look at like show business and stardom and friendships. The music and industry. The music industry, yeah. What life on tour is, being yeah. a kid, drugs, the way that people can use and manipulate you for their own gain, what it's like to be in the presence of someone who is great at what they do but also believes it. Oh, yeah. Um, just some really phenomenal scenes. The tiny dancer scene is one that's stuck with me since we watched it. Yeah, it's really cool. Kate Hudson's so good in it. Billy Crudup once again. Jason Lee's awesome in it too. I wish he would do absolutely. More stuff. Yeah, yeah, really just an incredible film. Uh, after that, we did Moon by Duncan Jones, who I don't know has ever made a good movie. Um, so we expected to give it four. We gave it three and a half, and we were kind of watching this halfway through and figured out the twist. Mm-hmm. And then we we kind of said that that's where the movie feels like it ends. That's right. And it wasn't even halfway through. It was like 25 minutes. Ago. Yeah. And that's pretty much where the movie ends, except it continues for another hour. It continues to an end, but because you know that major, mm-hmm. you know, emotional thematic element to it, it's not really doesn't do anything for you. No, I once again, I've said it a few times. I was just bored, man. It yeah. just didn't do much for me. I think there was some neat stuff. Um, once again, Kevin Spacey, fuck off. But other, otherwise, it was okay, but not, ultimately just not not for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, after that, though, was Boys in the Hood by John Singleton. Incredible movie. We expected three and a half. We gave it four and a half. It's very emotional. Lawrence um, Fishburne, man. He is the fucking man. One of the greatest of we saw of We saw The Matrix in the theaters mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. That was, I had so much fun. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite theater experiences of the year. And Lawrence Fishburne. His kills voice, him in that. dude. His yes. voice is just yes. so fucking empowering. But he's such a a calming presence in this movie. Mm. Like 
I want to, to be related to him. Like he just had so much wisdom and knowledge. He was a great dad through yeah. life. You know, it's, it's, he's a character Absolutely. that you want to know and you're drawn to. And you know, this film says a lot about it at the beginning. I think it says one in four, every black male will get shot and die from gun violence in America. And then, you know, the film is kind of about that and what it's like growing up in those poor areas when, it's kind of the racism is institutionalized and the system is built against you yeah. and how even as much as you might try to persevere through it, you might not make it. And then how some people just give into it and let it poison them. It's just a great story. Um, Absolutely. Just such an incredible emotional film. Uh, after that was Under the Skin by Jonathan Glazer. Um, we expected to give it four. Um, did you give this... I gave it three. You gave it three. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it I, reminded me a lot of Eraserhead. In yeah. Not the best ways. Yeah. I I was able to follow it at least from I could be wrong, just my own understanding of it mm-hmm. most of the way through. I, I gave it a three and a half. I could probably have rounded that down to either three or three three point two five. I wish that was the rating available. Mm-hmm. Um, I li- I liked that. My I think my favorite part of the movie is that she feels alien. Mm-hmm. Like it's she, it's not like an alien that's just got a human skin on. It's acting mostly like a, a person. Mm-hmm. Like the way that she acts and interacts with other or with people, it just it it definitely feels otherworldly mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of other movies I don't feel like capture that that vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and spoilers, I, I really like the scene where she's trying to eat that cake. Mm-hmm. And she just spits it back out. And like, this is our, this is our delicacy. Yeah. And she hates it. And it's re- like, there's some interesting stuff in there. Definitely some loose fitting scenes. Like, I don't know if it was the editing or just the writing or all of it, but I didn't love it. No, I, I wasn't. Love it. I wasn't a fan. I think Scarlett Johansson's really good, but the yeah. actual movie itself, I just wasn't a fan of. Uh, after that though, we did the place beyond the pines by Derek clan France. Uh, you expected three and a half. I expected four. We gave it four. I liked this movie a lot. It is good. I liked the three act structure and the the handing the baton of the narrative. Um, between I did too. Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, and then Dane DeHaan. I was really upset <laughs> when that first act ends because I thought spoilers, giving you a fair fucking warning here, that Ryan Gosling was going to be in most of the movie. Or, like, the majority of it, and he just fucking dies, like, brutally, (laughs) like, at the end of that first 30-ish minutes. It didn't bother me. And I was disappointed. I wasn't disappointed, necessarily. I was surprised. But I think his character has such a looming presence throughout the rest of it. Oh, 100%. That it's, like, it was, it didn't, he didn't feel like an afterthought at any point. By the end, I was, like, when, after you see where they're going with it, I was fine with the, with the decision, obviously. Like, it makes sense. But... I want more Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling is one Gosling. of the greatest actors ever. Bradley Cooper is really great. good in this. Rose Byrne, even Mendez, it's you know just really great. And I, I read after, or it might, maybe it was during, but he recommended Ryan Gosling recommended Eva Mendez for that role. Yeah, because they were dating at the yeah. time or whatever. Uh, so Mud was the next film <laughs> uh, by Jeff Nichols. Um, we both expected three and a half. We gave it three. Uh, once again, man, bored. Uh, McConaughey is the only saving grace of this movie. I would have dropped the score if I if McConaughey wasn't in it. No, oh, dude, McConaughey wasn't in it. It easily would have been a two star film. I just throw in some other tan Texan in there. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm just good. Not not 
anything special. Um, after that, though, was Brick by Ryan Johnson. And this was a film I'd always wanted to see because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's the main character, and he's one of my favorites. And it's supposed to be heavily influenced by Cowboy Bebop, and it was. It, it, it is. And, like, if it weren't so repetitive with its with its gimmicks and its um, scenes, I would I would have given it uh, a higher rating. I think you expected this to be your favorite one, and you it was rated it four point five. You actually rated it a three. Mm-hmm. I expected a four and rated it a three. It's I wanted to like it so much more than I did because of what it is and what it represents. Like I think it is kind of neat and tongue in cheek to make this pretty dark neo-noir film mm-hmm. set in high school with like a, just similar high school problems. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't always mesh well. Sometimes no. they clash pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, it just felt like a repeating loop. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty long movie given the circumstance. It's like 110 minutes. Yeah, and it really should only be like 80. And ultimately, yeah. I still don't even feel like I understood it necessarily. No, because you have to be, you have to be on on guard at all times listening to their metaphors and the way that they speak mm-hmm. like it, it is funny and it can be engaging and it takes a lot from cowboy bebop it does take i feel a lot like if cowboy i were like bebop. 14 i would have liked it a lot oh for sure yeah but i don't know i could see this being a play that a lot of schools would adapt or high that schools would, at least like i think that neat, would be yeah. fun uh so next was magnolia by paul thomas anderson um you expected to give this a four you gave it a four i expected 4.5 i gave it a 4.5 yeah i think i could bump it up to 4.5 maybe it's i, I would i would absolutely rewatch this movie it's very long you you dug up a uh paul thomas anderson quote where he said that if he could if he could change it he would yeah he would take it down he, he was on mark maron's podcast <laughs> that's right yeah and he said like if you could recut it would you and he said yeah that thing's way too fucking long <laughs> Like you're, you're damn right, PTA. <laughs> and uh, like, I, he's one of my favorite filmmakers right now. Uh, mm-hmm. We just saw Licorice Pizza, actually, and I, I I like the way he tells stories. He's just so good, man. He's just such a, a an incredible storyteller. And he he does seem very grounded with like his humanity. Yeah. And he's one of the few filmmakers that will say, "Yeah, I I would change this." Yeah, I would change something about this for sure. Yeah, and I think this film's really great because of the characters, and I think the oh, twist 100%. towards the end is fascinating. It's like a roller coaster ride for three hours. It is. It never slows down. The music's always very anxiety-inducing and fast-paced. I fucking love the beginning where one, is the loneliest number, starts playing. Mm. It's it's incredible. Yeah, that, and like the the magnolia like picture card is is really neat. Mm. And I there's so many characters in this. I found myself thinking, oh, shit, Tom Cruise is in this. It's been 10 minutes since we last saw him. Yeah, it doesn't depend on anyone. No. You know, it's in, it's so evenly mixed. Yeah, everything has value and weight. 100%. Uh, so next film was Foxcatcher by Bennett Miller. Uh, you expected to do this 4.5. You gave it a 3.5. I uh, matched 3.5. It just kind of lost me towards the end um, because I knew the real-life story of the, the Foxcatcher murder. and I did not, thankfully. Steve Carell, I mean, really, Steve Carell, Channing Tatum, and Mark Ruffalo all give really great performances They do, here, but for sure. Carell really carries it. Um, I don't know. Ultimately, it just wasn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be. Uh, I mean, the real-life story is interesting, but the actual movie, I don't right. know. Right, and like some of Channing Tatum's character, is this Mark? Mm-hmm. David is the one that was... Mm-hmm. I, I spoilers for this. It's a real life thing. David is murdered, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But some of Mark's like characterization, I didn't. I feel like I missed. Like I missed. It just wasn't externalized in a way that I feel like we could 
see. Mm. Like it was, it felt like a lot of it was taking place in his own head and we just saw him kind of get progressively angrier. Mm. Um, maybe that's just a failure on my part to paying attention to certain parts. I'm going to say it was because at the beginning, like the opening scene, he's being interviewed and they call him David mm. and he says, Oh no, I'm, I'm Mark. That's right. Yeah. We both won gold medals. So like they introduced that pretty quick that mm-hmm. he constantly feels like he's in the shadow of his brother and then as the film goes on, he gets That's recruited That's by John point. DuPont. John yeah. even says, so when are you bringing in the brother? Right. And, you know, so I think I think they actually did a pretty good job of that. That's fair. Just the rest of it, I was just yeah. kind of like, eh. I did like the ending. It, I thought someone else was going to die. I knew someone was going to die. Mm-hmm. Or I thought someone was going to die, but anyway. So the grand finale was Solaris by Andrei Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky, man. I, um... Not a fan. <laughs> Not uh, not the biggest fans, no. So what, what was expected, the prediction? Uh, oh, I have to scroll back up for this. Cause we I thought I was going to give it five, it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, we both expected five stars. Um, we actually gave it, what, three? I think I gave I it, gave it three gave and a half. Three. Yeah, you gave it three and a half, I gave it three. Uh, yeah, I've, I could probably honestly drop it. I felt numb because we watched eight and a half hours worth of film in one day. We watched Magnolia and then Foxcatcher and then Solaris. Yeah, we did. And And it was New Year's Eve. We finished on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, we were trying to cram and finish. They took way too long to get to the the space station, in my opinion. Like 45 minutes. 45 minutes. just conversation. Like, I I really just, I had trouble focusing um, the themes. I I feel like I, I need... I don't know a, a a course like a professional. I would need somebody to, to teach to, me what the to movie tell was me about. what I just watched. I think the ending was really good and powerful. If you were invested, which we weren't, um, I think the idea of what the Solaris mission is is really neat. Um, but ultimately, I just wasn't a fan. Yeah. I think one day if I rewatch it in theaters when I'm fresh, I might like it a lot more. But for now, oh man, I'm so glad it's over. Yeah, it was a yeah. So that was the 2021 Just Mash Film Challenge. What were your thoughts? Um, I really enjoyed the concept of this. Uh, do you want to give me your favorite and least favorite? Least favorite? Man, I'm... Before I give you some numbers here. I'm, I'm going to say my least favorite was Larry Arabia. Oh, wow, okay. That was my least favorite. Yeah. Not what I think is the worst, right? but my least favorite. Um, my yeah, favorite, that one was brutal. My favorite is either, so really my favorite's the Before Trilogy, mm. but in fairness of just picking one film, I'm going to pick Spirited Away. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I, you guessed your favorite would be Brick, you guessed your least favorite would be Old Boy. Um, I guess my favorite would be The Usual Suspects, I guess my least favorite would be Knight of Cups. My favorite, I'm going to go with Stand By Me here. I think about that movie a lot, like the scenery from it and just lines from the movie, specifically mm-hmm. the ending, like if I just need a little little sad time um knight of cups was still my my least favorite i think just because of how fucking unnecessary it is and yeah. like what a waste of money i oh. honestly lawrence of arabia broke my heart it did mm-hmm. um melancholia really fucking disturbed me just there's a few on here that i so i was give, just disappointed I give by. the edge to to larry arabia on being my least favorite over knight of cups because at no point did i ever think knight mm. of cups would be good that's fair. Going into it, we knew we were going to half star. Right. Larry Arabia is supposed to be one of the greatest films of all time. So it already has that. Next, 
Knight of Cups is way shorter yeah. than Larry Arabia. That's true. So it's you have bad, really bad for this amount of time, or just pretty fucking boring and unenjoyable for this amount of time. Yeah. So like That's a good argument. This amount of time of my life being miserable versus this amount of time, this was worse. So yeah, That's fair. that was my least favorite. Um so you guessed you would give four stars. Four, four, five stars. Fi- four or five stars, yes. Um, I guess I would give 15, and we both gave seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then half stars, you expected one, I expected two, and we gave two. We gave two. Uh, now, here are average ratings. So your average rating between all 100 films combined is mm-hmm. 3.665. Nice. Mine was 3.645. Nice. Um, that is 0.2 less than we thought we were going to give on average. See, I was about to say, I thought I was going to give 4.2, and you thought you were going to give 3.7. Yeah. So that's that's That crazy. is interesting. At 15 five stars, I was being very optimistic there, because I looked at this yeah. list, and I was like, these are supposed to be some of the best of all time. Very true. Lawrence of Arabia, Magnolia, uh, the Before Trilogy, Spirited Away. Like all, Thinking about all those films, I was very excited to give Fifteen percent of the five stars. I had severely underestimated, and you overestimated. Yeah, because we ended up, you know, giving seven each, and I thought I was only going to do four. Yeah. Um, initially, when we um, when we made the list, we said if we succeed, we're going to buy these things, and I don't even remember what they were. And while we did finish the list, we didn't do it in order. So I'm going to say we don't deserve. That's fair. Those prizes. I also couldn't afford the also prize because anyway. we don't have money, but. You know, for that kind of aspect, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, so I think what we'll do now is we'll tell you what the 2022 film challenge is, what that list is. So um, do we want to read our estimated way, or do we want to just wait till the wrap-up to do that? So what would you prefer? I think if we wanted, we could go down the list and then say what we think we will give it. I think or, we should. I th- my opinion is that we just present the list and say... This is what this is, this what, is what this is what, and then we could even. I'm not against publishing this right, sheet, yeah, yeah, even yeah, if sure. anyone wants well, to kind of copy we'll, and follow along. What we'll do is we'll do the same gimmick of what is our favorite, gonna Yo, be yeah. least favorite, all that. Yeah, now, I'm going to pull up the list as well on my phone. This so I is can get with a knowledge that we did see Licorice Pizza two days ago because this is January 3rd. 3rd. My laptop says 5th, so that's weird. That but we weird. saw it on the first. Um, so we have seen the first film in the list out of 100. So We're already doing better. Yeah. Uh, so. I'm going to go ahead and, and just start reading. So Licorice Pizza, Legend by Ridley Scott, The Elephant Man, Black Narcissus, The Captive, Carlito's Way, Contraband, East of Eden, Flash Gordon, Howard the Duck, King Kong vs. Godzilla, The Last House on the Left, the original, Noah, the reanimator, straight out of Compton, Straw Dogs, Straw Dogs, the remake, Unbroken, Arachnophobia, Machete, The Fast and the Furious, City of God, American His- uh, yeah, American History X, uh, Rush, God damn it, I accidentally clicked on someone, The Help, Vacation with Ed Helms, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Fifty Shades of Grey, Bottle Rocket, the film, Bottle Rocket, the short film, Joy, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 3, Hudson Hawk, I'm Not There, Electra, Brooklyn, Thank You for Smoking, Blue Collar, Macbeth with Michael Fassbender, uh, The 2004, The Punisher, Southpaw, uh, Martha Marcy May Darlene, 
Detachment, Shame, Louder Than Bombs, The Rocketeer, Patterson, Dumbo, the Tim Burton version, Into the Abyss, Blade Trinity, Eon Flux, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, the Stan Lee documentary with great power, Casablanca, which we're already going to have to move because we can see it in theaters. Yep. Uh, Terminator 3, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Farce of the Penguins, The Green Inferno, Cape Fear, Dirty Work, Quiz Show, The Lovely Bones, Into the Wild, The Sea of Trees, Cloud Atlas, Basic Instinct, Barry Lyndon, Barton Fink, Ghost World, Election, The Lost City of Z, Slumdog Millionaire, A Fistful of Dollars, The Pianist, Not the Penis, Modern Times, The Intouchables, The Upside, Cinema Paradiso, Heavy Metal, A Scanner Darkly, Princess Mononoke, uh, The Lives of Others, The King's Speech, Possession, Onibaba, Memories, Memories of Murder, Mishima, Life in Four Chapters, I Saw the Devil, Hacksaw, The Man Who Laughs, The Return of the Living Dead, Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll High School, Cowboys vs. Aliens, Kids, Sideways, It's Kind of a Funny Story, Winter's Bone, and Stalker. That is the Just Match 2022 film challenge list. Some interesting thoughts. Uh, the last film and first film are directed by the same directors. The first being Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson. The last being Stalker by Tarkovsky. Hopefully we like that more than Solaris. I hope so. Um, what do you think your least favorite and favorite films are going to be? Um, let me see here. So least favorite is going to be tougher. Um, it might be the 2019 Dumbo. Mm. Um, for least favorite favorite though i have high hopes for uh portrait of a lady on fire uh straw dogs and um uh the pianist mm. um so my so favorite it would be tough i think my favorite is gonna be i'm not there the bob mm. dylan thing my least favorite is going to either be 50 shades of gray or the king's speech oh yeah those are my predictions what do you think your average rating is gonna be uh i'm, I'm gonna, gonna go lower this time yeah i'm gonna go lower i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 3.3.4 i'm 3. gonna say 3.2 okay yeah how many five stars do you think you're gonna get uh mm, five I'm going to go four again. Yeah, that's a I'm safe not, number. I'm, I, I almost yeah. said four. I almost said four. I'm, I'm going to go five. Yeah. Um, we'll see, though. We'll see, though. And then do we predict that we will successfully complete this? 100% list? we will. I think so, too. 100%. I'm confident. The lengths us. that which we went to finish last year's, oh, we fucking better. We fucking we better. better. Absolutely. And, and like I said, feel free to we'll, we'll post the list. It's it's on a Google Google Doc Sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone wants to, it's look on at the Letterboxd. List. It's also on Letterboxd. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a Letterboxd guy, it's the best place. If you're a movie fan, absolutely um, get on there. Join us. He's just Mash Mad on Letterboxd. I'm Josh Davenport. The list's on there. You can follow along. You can clone it. Track your own progress. Whatever. And then we also encourage you to just make your own challenge. Too, oh yeah. Because it's really fun. Fun way to set goals, especially as a film fan. There's a lot of film challenges out there. And if you need something to watch, like if you're you have a day off work or whatever, and you're like, what do I what do I watch? Pull up your film challenge list. Yeah. Find something on there. That picks it for you. Because a exactly. lot of times I struggle with what film to watch next. One hundred percent. To just have it oh, this is the next one. Yeah. Way easier that way. Uh, but yeah, so that was the, the film challenge review. That's the film challenge for this year. Wish us luck. Until next time.